Hello and welcome to comment section, upcoming 2023 movies and TV. I'm here with an intro to the episode. If you're wondering um, why I'm whispering, it's because um, uh, I'm, uh, you know, logging hours for this and our producer, Paul, is um, kind of a... not down for that kind of thing, and besides, I actually, out my window the other, um, you know, the other night, I I happened to look and I saw a ladder uh, leading up to that window where I record, so I can't know for sure what that means or who did that or who, you know was plotting, um, and you know, I knocked it down, but that doesn't, uh, doesn't really, it's not really reassuring, um, but, um, before I get into that, um, there was something that my, uh, co-host, you know, who you might know, um, wanted to add, uh, I, I have to be the one doing it, um, I mean, I guess I'm the, I, I guess he couldn't cut it, it's kind of, um, like I said, it's a scary thing to do right now. Um, had to do this in the darkness of the night. He's probably sleeping soundly. So I have to be the one to deliver this news so this episode doesn't come out with things left unsaid. Um, which is ridiculous in and of itself because this episode is, you know, over two and a half hours already. And, like, does that need to exist? Does that need to go up? A two and a half hour podcast? Again, there's already enough one-hour podcasts. This is, you need two and a half hours. But anyway, what he had to say was that um, a disclaimer that this episode was in fact recorded before it was announced that Stephen Amell would appear as Green Arrow in the final season of The Flash. So um, whatever whatever that means. Um, so I'll um, let me get into. I was going to say. The reason why I'm here with you and why I need to do this in the darkness of night is because... Sorry, I thought I heard something at the window. Um, uh, It's because I actually have some updates to our last episode. We talked about our favorite movies of the year um, and and, uh, uh, I actually have um, some updates to that because um, I talked about anticipating really liking a movie, a couple movies actually, but we I didn't have the opportunity to watch them yet. And I'm going to talk about two of them now because you'll remember that my best movies of the year included number five, Wendell and Wilde, Number four, um, the amazing more recent and his educated rodents. Number three, the Batman. Number two, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And number one, Nope from Jordan Peele. And I have made the disclaimer that I highly anticipated liking one movie that came out at the end of December that we recorded before that, so I didn't have a chance to see it. 
And then there was another movie that I was like, this is totally up my alley. I'm sure I'm going to like this. And I was right about both of those movies. So I just wanted to say, because they unfortunately will not appear in the 2023 best movies list because they're 2022 movies. But I thought about it a lot. And my new top three is actually three. Nope, from Jordan Peele. And I numbered my new number two, and I really went back and forth on this. Um, because Nope was a wild ride. It was great. But I think the one that is um, was a, a little more in my taste of horror, uh, more psychological, although I really could go back and forth, is what I'll say right now is my new number two barbarian now that was a scary movie oh sorry i thought i heard something again if there, if you want to know what's scarier than the uh monster and barbarian uh you'll have to see it it's it has a lot of unexpected twists and turns but what's even scarier is um not knowing if that thump and the creaking noises of creaking wood and metal outside my door are um, just, you know, the normal noises of a house at night on a windy night or, um, uh, well, we'll say someone whose first initial is P. Um, and I have to say my number one movie of... 2022 I would say pretty easily is Glass Onion that's right um okay sorry I just I'm paranoid I, I had to check the window again um I just wanted to to say that um I just I needed to get it out because I know that people have been a buzz about this movie um and I even suspect that, you know, we're due for an era of people saying, like, actually, it's bad, which I've already seen a lot of, but I, I disagree. I think it was really fun, and more than just fun, it was it was, it was was really, I, th I thought it was profound. I think Ryan Johnson knows how to make a, a something, you know, not, you know, even if you can predict what happens, it just, it feels mysterious. It scratches that itch. And on top of that, there's an excellent social commentary. And the, the reason why <laughs> the, this being my favorite movie of the year really highlights why I need to do this in the absolute quiet and darkness of the night. Because um, you see, uh, Paul isn't the biggest Ryan Johnson fan. He actually, in late 2017, 2018, his favorite website, uh, and still to this day, is um, twitter.com, and he says it's the only website that gets, you know, his blood at just the right temperature, and um, he was a reply guy to Ryan Johnson. Um, he said he ruined his favorite franchise. I don't even think he's seen a Star Wars movie. I, I don't. I, I honestly think he just likes to... F to fight about stuff and I've been on the record as saying that 
I don't even know if I'm a Star Wars fan anymore. I'm just a Ryan Johnson fan. And Glass Onion sealed the deal. It sealed the deal. I mean, just one after the other. The Last Jedi. Which I dared speak its name, so... <laughs> if Paul's not outside <laughs> now... Then... Oh! everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of comment section that's right first one of 2023 that's right that's right guys happy new year you know what that means you know, i don't know in 2023 that means i guess for both of us we're a third done in this journey at least um do you plan to make it to 90 because i don't Oh, 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 um, because we're yes. both turning 30 in 2023. 20, yes. I honestly, I, I've always felt, um, I've thought about the perfect age to die many times. And <laughs> um, I, I keep going back and forth between 95 uh, and um, 100 just so I can say. I wouldn't be able to say. You don't want to be like Betty White and go out like a few days at... 99 before turning 100 yeah like truly just before um i think 95 feels good um i i mean i think that's a little older than most people would say but um you know i just kind of want to see what happens so you're just like no i'm not a third done i'm gonna keep going uh yeah i ideally i'm gonna shoot for it just so i'll fall a little short because i'm afraid if i shoot (laughs) for like 85 which is when most of my fa- I every I, th- I believe every single one of my grandparents died at exactly 85. So I feel like I know oh, when I'm well. going to die. Yes. By choking well, on tofu. It, I had one who made it to 88, one who made it to their 50s. So I have no idea which way it's oh, going to yeah. go. That's interesting. I, I guess in my will, I'm going to have it where it's just like, don't bury me. For the, for the rest of time, your job is to bring me back. Just science. I don't care. Even until like everything about me crumples up into dust. The yeah. goal for like the next few centuries is bring yeah. me back. Re- use the world's resources. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then by that, you know what? This is boy. This is so. This is so weird. But do you ever look at like on Wikipedia about what the fate of Earth will be when the sun burns out? Like just it's what not will a happen? Very bright future. Oh yeah. No. I mean, like what will happen? Like they'll talk about how. You know, by the time the sun burns out, it'll, the Earth will probably be enough of an orbit that it'll be vaporized. But if that yeah. doesn't happen, when the sun burns out, all life will end on Earth. And then there might be some explosion or whatever. But whatever happens, even if, like, somehow, you know, Earth still survives the end of the sun, eventually there's going to be an asteroid that comes and destroys it. Yeah. Yeah. If we make it before an asteroid, like, I have studied it before, and, like... It would take way, way less than the sun burning out for all life to be completely annihilated on Earth, because all it would take is like the sun growing just like a little hotter and a little larger. Yes. And like that, it would it's going to start doing that in the process of like its lifespan until it dies. But like there's probably much, much more time after life is annihilated on earth because the sun is too hot than 
time that humans exist for sure like um yes like what do you think would happen though if humans are still alive as the sun starts to burn out do they try to do anything or are they just like well just accept it guys this is it do you mean in like um in a like in like a day's time the sun just kind of turns off (laughs) <laughs> like they know like by x date like within yeah. 10 years the sun is gone yeah do they try to do anything to stop it from ending or are they just like yeah this is it guys so party party time yeah so to not so to not get too too real i i had a i had i think a lot of hope in humanity for many many for almost basically my entire life i had a lot of hope in humanity that like a collector of traumatic events like an apocalyptic event would genuinely bring people together in a common cause that was stupid. I now yes. know that if there is an apocalyptic event, <laughs> that people will just be like, we can't just stop working. We have to we keep can't. working. We have we to have to remain. Yeah. Keep normalcy. <laughs> we have to. We literally have to grind away at a dreary, pathetic job every <laughs> single day for the rest of our lives, no matter what is going on. And so the truth is, I think if we found out that like at the end of the year, the sun's gone, that it would just be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy does it. You don't get to go travel across <laughs> the country to see your loved ones. You got to go exactly. to the into the office. And uh, also, if it's a Wednesday that the world ends and it's not a holiday, um, I mean, what about the economy? <laughs> oh, exactly. And, you know, there'll be some people on some, you know, certain, you know, channels, you know, Fox News, who will be like, um, oh, you know, we don't need the sun. <laughs> We're America. We can make our own sun. Isn't that right, guys? Global warming here. Yeah. Um, so, um, 2023. <laughs> yes, guys, speaking of death and destruction, yeah. you know, we were all going to die. We're recording this on December 21st. 2022 on this day so many of us never thought we'd make it to Mm -hmm. yep yeah uh you know it's funny i always i always think of it as like may it was like i remember that same year like may 21st um was the original (laughs) date and then we kind of spent was yeah there was briefly like that uh, one of the same groups that one of the same like doomsday groups was saying it was May 2020, 2012. And part of, I remember that distinctly because I remember that day coming and going and uh, being like, okay, now now <laughs> we'll see if it's the December one. <laughs> um, but I remember that there's... Uh, um, there There is a song by the Wonder Years that says something about, like... Um, uh, uh, the world's gonna end around May twentieth, so the song is pointless because you're never gonna hear it. Um, and I always <laughs> remember that uh, that came out in 2012. So, oh yes, you know who really got screwed over during that time was our producer Paul, because yeah. he, banked he tells on it. us that during that time he really barricaded in survival <laughs> mode. Yeah, he really banked <laughs> on it. And he even got some cyanide pills just as a backup. And the sad thing was because it got to 11.59 and he opened them, the store wouldn't take them back. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, they don't those they don't take insurance for those. So that was a sink. They don't. And apparently, you know, he threw them out into the lake. 
And the next day, a bunch of fish were floating, and he said that that was the last time he'll ever eat fish because he had so met so much fish after that. Yeah, and um, those fish had just eaten cyanide, so um, yes. that is why Paul has um, terrible bowel issues to this day. Exactly. That maybe that's why Which he's is, so angry all the time. Yes, but that's the thing about Huck that I I know he'll write in his next. Um, Maybe if he sends like a New Year's card, like Happy New Year, boss. <laughs> Wait, man, <laughs> pooping just gets better with time, don't it? Yeah. But my God, sometimes we start an unwanted answer that feels like comments. Yeah, section. no, I. It's, this time we reversed. Yeah, it. that was truly the. I was thinking that this has truly been an unwanted answers episode. It, we basically did on yes. this day and then <laughs> talked know. about Paul. How did that happen? Exactly. That um, just shows what kind of a topsy-turvy year 2023 <laughs> will be for us yeah, all. Yeah, it's the year of unwanted answers, for sure. Um, <laughs> yes. What, what say we talk about, because that's the point of this episode, the first day of the year, we yes. want to talk about looking into 2023, what are the movies, TV shows, and video games we'll end it out with that we're most looking oh, exactly. forward to or are most uh, pr- uh, relevant to talk about upcoming in 2023 um and uh which of these will actually come out yes because you know in covid times you know post covid you know how many is it i think there were on the t- off the top of my head i see 3 that were supposed to come out in 2022 yeah they got pushed to uh, this year so mm-hmm. Let us get into what's what our films will be. Now I have a list of fourteen. I'm sure there's some overlap. Yeah. But I have a one, two, three, six, seven, and ten. I have eleven. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if we wanted to uh if we wanted to bring out our lucky penny. Oh yeah, I would love to bring out kick off the, the new year penny. with our penny, which is wouldn't it be awesome if this was a 2003 penny and turned 20? That would be so, oh. that would be awesome, but no. Well, it does have a milestone. It's 2008. Okay, this that's cool. This penny right here turns 15 years old. Next year, this little guy, little AB right here will be able to drive his own car. That that's pretty cool. And it's so yes. it's a uh it's a God, am I stupid? It's a it's a Dark Knight uh coin, right? It is. It is yeah. a Dark Knight coin. All right, so let's flip the coin. As always, because it's a new year, we got to refresh the audience. And it's been a while since we flipped a coin. Yeah, and now, now we're I back into it. I feel like it. it's been years since we've done it. Um, it feel, I don't know why it feels like that, but I guess since Unwanted Answers changed. But um, yeah, the, the refresher is that I always pick tails one time i decided to pick heads as a game a, a big change up and i regretted it so i'm definitely today pick once again picking tails all right and so i will go first time if, if i win important flip here we go i hope i caught it oh <clears throat> and i see why you always go with Oh yeah, because it is it is a winner. So yes. for my list of upcoming movies, all of these are things I thought were fun or interesting or notable to bring up, or things I'm genuinely very excited for. Um, 
Uh, oh, real quick, are they in release order? Or I was no? I was just gonna say for the first time ever doing this, I have them in release order. Oh boy, the last yes. two don't have a date, uh, but are saying TBD twenty twenty three. So those are probably the least likely to come out in twenty twenty three. But uh, <laughs> yes. They're also a couple of the most exciting ones to me. But um, I look forward to covering them in 2025. Yeah. Um, all right. So my first one is I was truly just like going through a list of 2023 movies and trying to see, like, is there anything I haven't heard of or was not even on my radar at all that looks interesting to me? And this one is one of the ones I found that was I was like, you know what? I think I am interested in seeing that, um, even though I wouldn't have thought so just from the name and a basic like synopsis but just looking into it a little more um this is a movie called knock at the cabin coming out february 3rd 2023 it's m night Shyamalan's next movie there are a couple things about this um it's based on a novel by i think a pretty well liked horror author uh paul tremblay and honestly uh, m night Shyamalan's uh recent movie um old um, I think it's a little divisive, but uh, generally better received than some of his like 2000s movies have been. I, I thought Old was pretty good. It was like flawed, but overall really, really entertaining. Um, so I don't know anything. I've never read the book, but I, I just thought that that kind of like, I don't know what this movie is trying to do. It was really interesting <laughs> to me. So there, there you go. Knock at the cabin. Oh, yes. You know, speaking of it, because I've read the synopsis a little bit, it does remind me of something we brought before. It's kind of similar. We always talk about how, you know, you never want to live in the country alone. <laughs> yes, yes. Another thing, you never want to be in the woods alone. Yeah. It, I think the same applies because, you know, my mom, one of her siblings, we used to go to their house a lot, their first house, not their current house, thank God. Mm-hmm. It was kind. It was kind of in the woods and kind of in the middle of nowhere, where there yeah. were no neighbors or anything. Mm-hmm. And I felt so like it was fine during the day, right? But at night, yeah, it, it was like you were on your own. And there was one house like up a hill that you could kind of see, but mm-hmm. that was it. And I was just like, oh, I don't know how they live like this. Yeah, uh, home invasion is one of to me one of my favorite, but also like the scariest of all the horror genres. Um, and it's specific, like, that's like, it's a trope. They're all, someone's lives way out in the woods. Um, and it's like, it's enough of a trope that there's the cabin in the woods of the movie. So, uh, which is a parody. So, um, yeah, don't live way out in the woods. Come on. No, you need neighbors, AKA witnesses. Yeah. Yeah, That's what neighbors are good for. Yes. That's the best part. Of that's, honestly, I think we probably talked about this before in the discussion about like living out in the middle of nowhere and how it's the scariest place. But like, um, it, it it's amazing to me how scary I find that when there are so many people who are just like, oh, I'd never live in a big city. All the exactly. all the crime, big city any day. <laughs> I know. I'm just I'm just like, uh, okay. I, at least I'm not gonna be. Um, at least some like uh masked vigilante um strangers-esque 
hush-esque horror villains aren't going to come into my house and tie me to a chair. Exactly. You can scream, and you'll feel co- a little comfort when a neighbor says, Hey, shut up! I'm trying to sleep! Yeah. I'll feel warm because there is human... Con- yes. uh, 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 not, uh, basically an ally in humanship, um, just shouting yes. at me to be quiet down. Anyway... You're not uh, completely on your own. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's 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 that. Um, hope that's good. Um, hope to see it at oh, some point yes. this year. Um, so yeah, what's your, uh, first movie you're going to bring up? Well, I'll bring up two, two, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not that interested in, but I thought they'd be fun to bring up. Mm-hmm. One is we talked about earlier, I think it was last year, the news that a certain character from the hundred acre woods <laughs> had joined the public domain. Yeah. And that is our buddy Winnie the Pooh, because coming soon. We have Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. That's right. So, believe in the synopsis, it talks about how Christopher Robin has grown up, and he left his friends at the Hundred Acre Wood, and now they want revenge. Oh my gosh. And they, they're going after everyone. And it may sound a little depressing, but could it be more depressing than that Christopher Robin movie? That came out oh, a few yeah. years ago that looked like it was shot by Zack Snyder. <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah, nothing could be more depressing than that. <clears throat> yes, yeah, so Winnie the Pooh, Blood and, Tun- Blood and Honey, yeah, we're gonna and see on the poster things. says, this ain't no bedtime story. My gosh. So, yes, I like to think this is the prop that we're finally, after all these years of all these Disney movies, we're finally getting what... I consider, I think you'll consider, the proper conclusion. It's endgame, if you will. Mm-hmm. The final chapter in this long-running <laughs> this is, arc. No, this is the Logan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is it. This is how it ends. Yeah. It's all been building towards this. Yeah. And I'm expecting a very satisfying ending to the yeah. Winnie the Pooh saga. I, I hope so, too. Very exciting. Um, do you have anything else to bring up? Because actually, my next movie... I, I, there's a connection. Oh, well, we might as well just go to the connection, then. Because my movie is also a basically joke premise of a movie about a bear. Uh, I don't know if you've heard... Is it Cocaine yeah, Bear? Yeah. Have you, did you just add on <laughs> yes. your list? Because... <laughs> it wasn't, but... <laughs> um, I had to bring up Cocaine Bear. The, <laughs> like, Sharknado of the year, essentially. But, yes. um... Uh, Based on a true story. Yeah. Well, at least inspired by a true story. Um, yes. It is a movie about a killer bear who is just, like, eaten a, a bag of cocaine. In the real story, yes. the bear died because it ate a whole bag yes. of cocaine. But that, that was real, that a bear... If you're gonna go, <laughs> what a way to go. They found, like, a, a dead bear, and the, it concluded that it, it, he, it had eaten a bag of cocaine. <laughs> um, and in this movie, the, the bear did not die. Um, no, and it, got even it, it goes on a rampage. <laughs> so, honestly, I'm glad this movie exists just so there's a movie called Cocaine Bear. Exactly. Directed by Betty Brant from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Oh, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Okay. Elizabeth Banks. I think that's who directed it. Oh, <laughs> wait. That's crazy. That's... Maybe I should check before I... I... Say such After things. you said that, I googled cocaine banks. 
<laughs> oh. You're just like, um, it's it's like this dude outside of First National with some bags being like, hey guys, you want to get some crack? It is it is directed and co-produced by Elizabeth Banks. That's awesome. Yes, yeah, so is Betty Brant from the Toby Spider-Man movies. Yeah, th- that's crazy. I didn't... <laughs> yes. Wow, that's awesome. Yes. Maybe Toby will make a cameo or something. I hope so. <laughs> the ba- bear mauls a family to death. Arr! And he just looks over <laughs> and goes, I missed the part where that's my problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah. He got tired of it after Craven the Hunter. Yeah. Fair. Yes. All right, that's 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 mine. Uh, I don't know if I said that's coming out February 24th. Yes, I think both. Yeah, both of the years so far, February. Yep. Yes. So I'll bring up two movies I'm not that interested in. I don't know. Well, we'll just bring them up just to bring them up. So next Marvel movie is Ant-Man, the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Uh, the first Ant-Man. Now, I only bring this up because I feel like I might be dragged to it, even though I really don't want to see it. Mm. Uh, the first Ant-Man movie is one of the biggest. Is that a Game Boy mug? Oh, yeah. It's um, <laughs> it's a Game Boy <laughs> mug, and unfortunately, it's getting a little hard to see now. But when it heats up, it like turns on, and there's a Game Boy. Oh, um, that is awesome. Yeah, it's like when you turn on a Game Boy. Uh, and then the other side is like Mario saving Peach, like the end screen of the Mario Game Boy game. Oh yes, um, pretty cool. Yes. So I got distracted by it for a second. I'm like Game Boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you see me picking up one mug after the other, it's because I have a coffee that I got earlier from a coffee shop, <laughs> and then I have tea that I need for my throat. Oh yes. <laughs> So, uh, where was I? Oh, yes, Ant-Man. Ant- the first Ant-Man, to me, was one of the biggest surprises from the MCU. In a way, I almost think of Ant-Man as the Santa Claus of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, follow me with <laughs> okay, this. Okay, really, I'll need to follow you because I don't understand. Yes. The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Yeah. It's the Santa Claus of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Both follow these dudes named Scott. Okay. Both are divorced and have a special relationship with their du- with their kid. Then both are given a red suit and enter a new world. And by becoming this new take on the mantle of something new, which you had the previous Santa Claus, you had the previous Ant-Man and um Ant-Man's kind a uh, Hank Pym is kind of the Bernard of Scott's story, Scott Lang's story. And then by the end, he's taken on the mantle of the red suit and now is a better um, father to his child, who he doesn't speak to because of who he had more of a strained relationship with because of the divorce. And also, the mom is pushing on the new stepdad as a better person. But at the end, they get back together. So interesting, you know? Um, I got it's I this is the great thing about this podcast airing is that's probably the first time that connection's ever been made. Yes. 
I see, every time I watch it, I think that's why I see. I mean, I it's see it's a it. remake of the Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. So the first one was a big was a big surprise, and one of the nice things was after Avengers: Age of Ultron, where the stakes were so big, we had a smaller stakes story. It was about a dude trying to save his daughter, and it was about like this business that become you know involved with with crime then ant-man the wasp came and it was one of the it was really after spider-man homecoming it was that and then this where i was just like you know i think this thing has run its course we're seeing a dip in quality and it's not working anymore so i hated ant-man the wasp which was also written by the guys who wrote No Way Home, I mean, Homecoming and Far From Home, who then later switched everything around with No Way Home, so good for them with that. And then I just look at this. We've seen a trailer for the third one, which I just clicked on because I was like, well, I like the first two. What (laughs) do you got now? And it's so out there. It's the first Marvel movie where I'm just like, they went way too nerdy with this. Oh. I don't know how like the average person can enjoy this because it just went way too out there where it's just like, now we're in the quantum realm and everything is tiny. Look, there's a little miniature world. I'm just like, uh, this thing is just, this franchise has just run out of steam. It's, it's lost its way. And I think part of the thing is that, um, look, Peyton Reed who's directed the trilogy, did a great job with the first one. But if you guys remember, for years, the Ant-Man was developed by Edgar Wright. And so the second one was Peyton on his own. And now we're seeing this. It's just, I think the Ant-Man, looking back at the Ant-Man franchise, it was kind of one of those, a fluke with the first one. And... You know, it's just like it, it's the only Marvel movie I would have considered seeing this year because the other ones are Guardians Three and the Marvels, which I don't have any interest in, yeah. interest in. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, really, this is where you're going with it, and it's just, yeah, I, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a bit curious about how fans will take it because I don't think. I don't think fans are going to like it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, I mean, I would hope that getting nerdy with it or getting a little bit uh, less accessible is maybe a little bit more comic booky in a way, but um, it doesn't. But this isn't like that's in Batman theory, that, or yeah. Spider-Man. Like, I would say Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse is very much for hardcore fans. Yeah, that's a good. That's that's actually but a good example of what I'm talking about. Ant-Man that. has no hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man is Ant-Man. And I can't see anyone, especially now with how most people have accepted MCU has dropped in quality. I don't know. Yeah, and when you said that slate for this year, it was like, ooh, that does not sound exciting. I mean, that's a whole yes. year of, of of everyone's lives and time to not... A year is a long time for people's attention span. And I know, and once again, you look at that slate. Yeah. And we'll talk about it later. I mean, luckily there is something, but when you look at the slate of Ant-Man 3, Guardians, and the Marvels, the MCU really could have used a Fox X-Men 
and a Sony Spider-Man movie that was completely unconnected. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yes. So there we go. Ant-Man, the Wasp, Quantumania. Brought it up because I feel like I'll probably be dragged to it, even though I really don't want to see it. All right. Um, Well, my next one is probably one of my most anticipated movies of 2023. Something that could be awful and, like, you know... uh, it's highly anticipated because it's um, a property I really care about, and I hope that it does good things for people getting into this particular property. And I, I, I think yeah, I have a guess uh, what there's, it is. There's not a whole lot to say about it because I had a whole section of an episode specifically dedicated to this movie coming out March yes, 31st. Yes, I think I know what it is. March 31st, which is Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Um, the... I like there was another Dungeons and Dragons movie in like 2000 or something. Um, Masterpiece of the yes, genre. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but I would call this basically the first like real like attempt at a, a blockbuster like big stars Dungeons and Dragons movie. And it's coming out at a time that like Dungeons and Dragons could not be more like um, just blowing up right now. Um, like like there was just like the dungeon the most popular dungeons and dragons like twitch stream show critical role got its own animated series on netflix that released last year like it's such a popular entity right now um and so it's ripe for actually being genuinely successful and it's got um you know obviously some big names in it And, you know, the trailer was like, it felt like, okay, it felt a little like, okay, let's try and what if we wrote like an MCU style comedy (laughs) action movie, uh, but it's Dungeons and Dragons now. So it's like, that's a little worrisome, especially when people are getting a little tired of that style of comedy and movie. Uh, But I think it's written by the. I think we said earlier, but it's written by the dudes who wrote Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yeah. I think I remember that. I hope it's something that the writers and the people making it just had fun with and were like, we're going to capture the spirit of D&D by just having fun with this and like creating a fantasy story. And if this is really good, I have to say it'll also be like... uh like there's a lot of fantasy stuff coming out right now and a lot of isn't a lot of it isn't stuff that i'm into or liking necessarily and it would be great if game of thrones just not not my thing uh i I have to say i'm i am anticipating potentially really liking the lord of the Rings series but i'm too scared to watch it i haven't watched it no i'm too i'm too (laughs) nervous uh, I heard a bit of a mixed reaction to it. it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is, but I think that I think it's less. Um, I think it's more positively received than I expected, um, and a lot of people who I know who were worried about it because they're like diehards were like very pleasantly surprised in um, how good the story was is what i've heard people say um 
it's the visuals are kind of iffy for a lot of people because um, and I agree, it looks like the entire thing has like this ethereal glow to it. And it's it, <laughs> uh, like in the original uh, like trilogy, um, anytime they went to the elven city of Rivendell, there was sort of this ethereal glow because the elves were supposed to be like these like ethereal perfect beings and so when they went there it felt a little otherworldly this series looks like the whole thing is that (laughs) um which is maybe a little too much but that's the only like complaint i've heard from people that i uh whose opinion i respect um uh, but I'm still just too. That's important to yeah. put a little asterisk by yeah. it. Just like these aren't just randos; these are people I respect. Yeah. Um. So I'm 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 just nervous. I'll eventually get to it. Um. But that potentially being something I really like, and also this are like the only potential, like my kind of fantasy things out there right now. Uh, so, yeah, um, yeah, that, uh, that's all I'll say on that. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, coming March 31st. Oh, yes, maybe it will be good, but there's no way it can compete with my favorite Dungeons and Dragons movie. Of course. Starring Tom Hanks, Mazes and Monsters. Oh, of course. The cinematic classic. The cinematic classic where they taught us <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, bad <laughs> It's responsible for every horrible <laughs> thing that's ever happened to humanity. Yeah. World hunger, World War II, just everything. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that, though, because, like, I don't know if you know, I, I learned recently that the, like, original story that kind of sparked a lot of that was from, like, a tragic story that happened to someone who was in, I believe, from Lansing. It was a Michigan. Some college kid. Oh, it was from Michigan State. Fell down the rabbit hole and was reading about some of that. But the funny thing. After listening to our episode. I guess I shouldn't use the word funny. But the thing is that um, uh, basically that that case and all their cases, it was like this person may have played Dungeons and Dragons. That was the ex- yeah. that was the extent of it. <laughs> they had a box in the room. It still had the shrink wrap yeah. on it, but maybe they read a little bit of the back of the box, and that's what set them off on their path. Yeah. It's it's literally like if um if someone found a dead body um like out on the side of the river, and like the police were doing an investigation and searched their room and found a little bag of marijuana, and they were like, they smoked where marijuana. That's why they died. <laughs> <laughs> that's what killed us yeah uh yeah all right maybe i should all right i guess i'll move on to mine and i'll mention something quick first and then we'll move on to the real thing so uh doubt's a babe about bringing it up i don't know i guess i will because we brought up the first movie when it was coming up the next dc movie is shazam fury of the gods all right and Shazam is like the one superhero I don't like. One of my least favorite episodes of Smallville is because it had a character in there that reminded me of Shazam. <laughs> and I didn't think he worked on Young Justice, despite how great that show was. I think he was a bit tolerable in Justice League Unlimited because Superman beat him up. 
<laughs> but that was pretty much to the extent. But here's the thing. I, I'm debating because, you know, obviously there's some changes going on with DC. Mm-hmm. Now we have James Gunn and Peter Safran are taking over. And there's been such conflicting reports the past few weeks about is DC rebooting? Are they kind of rebooting and just keeping some stuff, more retconning stuff? Or are they going to keep going? I It keeps changing every day. I think they'll reboot, but I, I don't know for sure. But like I said before, I'm not, I'm not a James Gunn fan. Mm-hmm. The, despite the fact that I think James Gunn, I don't know him. Like I said, we don't know any of these people, but he seems like a really cool dude. Like, if you bumped into him at a con, well, you're both waiting to get, like, a picture with, like, Frank Miller or something. Yeah. He seems like a really cool dude. Mm-hmm. And I really think it's cool the way he interacts with fans on social media. Yeah. So the dude seems really cool. I really liked him in Harley Quinn, the animated show. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a fan of his work. Mm-hmm. I don't like his Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I thought his Suicide Squad movie was the worst DC move, DCEU movie we've had. And I watched the season finale of Peacemaker that, because it had Flash and Aquaman, and it was really tough to sit through. So, I'm kind of like, this might be it for a while. Yeah. So, maybe beggars can't be choosers, so maybe I'll try to... Sit through the first one, and we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not optimistic about the future of DC. Yeah. Yeah, and we went over a lot of that in the last episode. It's a, it's a tough one. Yes. So, there we go. And I, I can mention this other thing, because it's a real quick thing, because I don't have that much nostalgia for this pro- property, but I think I kind of want to see it. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool they're making it. Yeah. Illumination, who is known for the Despicable Despicable Me movies, and um, was what's the pet one? Secret Life of Pets. I wonder if this is what I was going to bring up next. I think Illumination. I think yeah. Illumination. Is it the Super Mario Brothers movie? It is Mario. Yeah. Do 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 do. That's right. So I'm a. I'll be honest. I don't have a lot of nostalgia for this property because. I was more PlayStation mm-hmm. than, than I, I think I only I think I only knew one person who had a Nintendo GameCube. Well, you know I what? did. When <laughs> I look back, you did. That's right. You have so many Nintendo Game Count Nintendo consoles. GameCube. I would is um maybe my favorite game console ever. It had really? so many amazing games. But I'm just I'm 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 more Nintendo. I um I you know I briefly only like the first console I ever played a video game on was Sega Genesis. And that's so we right. were a, a Sega family for that time period. But then as soon as my family got a Nintendo 64 and that was like the first game console I ever got for Christmas, I've been a Nintendo fan primarily ever since. Um, and it was in the last, like, uh, honestly, like after I graduated from high school and I started to just like, uh, get into like the nerdy choices of like finding emulators online and um trying out a lot of old Nintendo games that I never got to experience particular particularly Super Nintendo games at now at this point in my life I think that it, 
I'm sorry, 90s kids, but who are on this side of the thing. But I think you're freaking nuts if you think that Sega Genesis is better than Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo has like 10 absolutely incredible games for every one good Sega Genesis game. Oh, well, I guess them's fighting words, but <laughs> I'd feel confident about it. Like, I I, yeah. I wasn't even really around for that debate, but it's just like looking back at the catalog. It's not even close. Like it, to me, I would compare it to like uh, I personally feel that this is kind of how PlayStation and Xbox is now. Xbox doesn't have much like it really no, exactly. it really doesn't like it's it, particularly with um like original games and stuff playstation has like if you just want a variety of games you should absolutely go playstation i don't have as much oh, of a, yes. a dog in that fight because um i'm more just nintendo i'm playing the uh the the video game version of a centrist in that because nintendo isn't usually considered part of that fight anymore they're kind of their own thing um so not really part of that but like back when it was a fight i think nintendo and to this day is like the greatest video game company that there ever was so yes you know this just reminded me something wasn't there because you probably know because i guess now that i think i do remember you having a nintendo gamecube so i guess there were two people i knew who had it wasn't there a thing where you could like attach something to the bottom of the gamecube and play Game Boy games on it? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know if I had that. What what I know, what I had, which was pretty Wait, cool. Wait, did exist? I think so. I, I can't say for sure. I think so. It had, it did, it sounds right because the GameCube had a lot of different, like, attachment things. Um, what I did have, which is really awesome, was there was this thing you just slotted onto the top of it and flipped it up and it was a screen all you needed to do oh. <laughs> was plug it in and um uh uh i don't even remember how it, it's crazy that it was possible but with this screen thing but um one time my family uh when i was a kid so like probably in 2003 or something my family went on a vacation and uh, which involves like a 10 hour drive or something. And I was playing Nintendo oh, GameCube in the car. And that is so you didn't have to plug it. It was like battery. Well, I, you were able to charge I'm, or I'm, something. I'm wondering if we use like a cigarette lighter or that that seems like a little bit too much power. Maybe there is some battery or something. But because of the screen, I was able to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it was just like I was playing a full on video, not, not even a Game Boy, a full on video game console in the car. It's probably oh, my yes. most spoiled awesome story, even though, um, yeah, it was it was awesome playing. Uh, I think I remember playing Sonic, uh, Sonic, because, you know, at this point, <laughs> at this point, um, Sega games were on Nintendo. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, I was playing Sonic Battle, uh, Sonic Adventure 2, um, which is a great game. So, yes, Mem our parents or grandparents, it's always interesting how. Back in the days, they would always be so desperate for cigarettes that they need a specific cigarette lighter yeah, in the car. Yeah, we still call them Just that. in case <laughs> they forgot to bring it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, speaking of Mario, I, I don't have that much nostalgia for it. Like, most people I knew, and this also I know for sure with you, mm -hmm. you were one of them. Everyone I knew kind of had a PS2 and a Game Boy. At, at least, that's what kind of what everyone I knew had. 
Yeah. Um, Specifically the game, the green Game Boy. Yes, the Game Boy the Advance SD. Yeah, I had that. Yes. No, I, I have to say, like, um, that is true for almost all my friends as well. Um, most of my friends did not have a GameCube and had a PS2. Um, and then they all had, like, I have a lot of friends who their only experience with Nintendo through their lives was the handheld consoles game boy yeah that's very common for people they got a game boy a ds i have friends who like their only nintendo games they really play are like pokemon um because they had the handheld consoles and stuff um i always had both i the oh, well actually i had a falling out with nintendo because <laughs> they had a falling out with themselves they had a tough period. It's where, like, you have an uncle and you don't see them for a few years because they're having a hard time. Yes. Uh, Nintendo started that hard time. Their rock bottom was, like, a year after the Wii came out, and it was like... Oh, <laughs> I remember the Wii, because let me tell you something. Before you mention it, I need, I need yeah. to tell a little thing. Mm -hmm. So I remember one Christmas, um, my cousins got a Wii, and my sister wanted to get a Wii. And she came to me and said, hey, you want to pull our money we can get a Wii? And I said, hell no. If we're if I'm going to put any money towards a video game thing, it's going to be a PlayStation 3. Mm -hmm. But she decided to buy it. And I was just like, fine, you know what? I'll, I'll buy the Spider-Man. I think it was Shared Dimensions. Yeah. It was the one that had the four actors come back and play it on the Wii. It was one of the most frustrating experiences I ever had. Because they were just like, move it. I'm just like, I am moving the stupid thing. And I eventually was just like, this was like day two of the Wii. I put down the controller and I said, never again. Yeah. And years later, I luckily got to get on PS3 the week before it left their digital store. But that was my experience with the Wii. And I, I actually, on that, I know we're spending a lot of time on this. But like, I think that for me, Nintendo is almost like DC for you. I really love Nintendo that much. And like in moments where you might think like, oh, DC is like they're making such bad decisions. They have these great properties, but the leadership is completely fumbling on what to do with them. That's how I feel the era of the Wii and the Wii U was with Nintendo, because <laughs> they were like they lost track of the fact that like what Nintendo is all about to me is th during the Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, and GameCube, their whole thing was they cr had some of the best character designs and properties in video gaming. Yes. And they also had some of the most impeccably, like, scientifically perfect game design. Like, like just how to design levels and make controls feel good. And everything that makes gaming good, they are the best at that they're not the best at graphical quality and like um like they like the current consoles don't do what the xbox and the playstation do the quality of the graphics is lower but the quality of the design of the games and how things function and level design and stuff is the master class they're better than anyone at that and during the wii and wii u era they were relying on gimmicks to try and get people to buy yeah. their, their their consoles and i uh, this is starting to become controversial because I know a lot of people who are like 
in between millennial and Gen Z and also just Gen Z who are nostalgic now of the Wii and like are nostalgic of like the the Wii menu music and like Wii sports and also some of the games on the Wii such as Mario Galaxy and um that's it because it's probably the only good game that ever came out on that console but even like every single mainline game that ever came out on the Wii is like the worst game in that franchise because even <laughs> Mario Galaxy and Mario Galaxy 2 don't rely on gimmicks like they're just regular 3D Mario games but they're leagues worse than anything like uh Mario Sunshine and Mario 64 which were the 3D Mario games before that are like near perfect games to me then Mario Odyssey is the one that just came out on the Switch a few years ago and it's also like perfect. They just completely came back from this dark age with an absolute like perfect game. It might be the best Mario game, in my opinion. Um, and they just uh, they fumbled it for a long time. But I'm just really happy to say that ever ever since, I believe, 2017, when they came out with the Nintendo Switch, they've been on again. They all of their mainline oh, yes. games are generally incredible. I'll get to some of that in the video game section at the end. Uh, but what we're talking about now is uh, the uh, Super Mario Brothers movie, which was my next one, too. Yes. So transitioning into my next one as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's my history with the franchise Mario. We, obviously, we could have had a special about this <laughs> just from my interest in the, in the franchise. But um, I, if, if I were to rank Nintendo franchises, Mario is not my favorite like i like um zelda i both in characters and games i like zelda more i like metroid more i think i like donkey kong more um so it's not my favorite but i i acknowledge it as like the face of nintendo and i make sense that this would be the movie um he is their mickey mouse yes and uh my oh by the way also my dream now that um super nintendo world is opening there's like a uh, <laughs> i believe it's at universal studios i think that's i think that, that sounds right like right because illumination is owned by yeah universal yeah, so there's going there's the super mario world theme park at universal studios in florida that's the only thing that's ever going to make me go to florida again in my life um <laughs> that is a dream to me um i i desperately desire to go there someday um but anyway is it just in florida is it going to the california one too at this point i think it's just at the um florida one and in japan uh there's already okay. one open in japan i believe um but as far as this movie goes um i don't know if i'm guessing we didn't talk about when the trailer dropped Obviously, right. Yeah. When the casting came out about this movie, um, there was a lot of talk because people were kind of joking about it because Chris Pratt is in everything. And it was yes. kind of hilariously a weird casting decision that they would choose for Chris Pratt to be Mario. <laughs> like a lot of people saying the voice actor who's been Mario for the last like 20 years should have been it. Like he's, you know, it. I can see where that might like i could understand that not being a good decision because you know he's a video game voice actor it's a different skill i think um but 
Right, like when you hear like um, when Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill talk about the Arkham games, mm-hmm. it's they have to say every line, but multiple ways, depending on how yeah. the the player chooses something. Like they'll say over there. Now say it like you've been hurt a little bit over there or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is a different skill. Um, that said. I almost still think it would be a better decision than Chris Pratt, though, because, like, I don't... This Well, you know why they chose him. It's for stunt yeah, casting. That's exactly what I was going to get into, which is just, like, um, it's just such a sad example of stunt casting. Like, like, just that Mario has such a specific voice and, like, something that seems, like, hard to do. Um, and someone who's, like, both... Not really a voice actor. I mean, obviously he has done a lot of it, but n- both not really classically a voice actor and not a voice, someone who does Mario. It's very bizarre. And I guess my reaction to the trailer has kind of been, I, I didn't necessarily expect this to be good, but it looks amazing to me. Like the animation is. It, yeah, it, it, it's one of the best looking animated films. I, I was stunned. I, I was it. stunned by the animation. It looks so good. And then a lot of these other like uh, voice actors, some of them you could consider them also stunt casting. Everyone else sounds amazing. Jack Black as Bowser sounds amazing. Um, uh, I, uh, I believe it's uh, Keegan Michael Key as Toad. That's, it, I thought he did really great. Um, we obviously, from the little we see, uh, it really is just like, it's like this trailer made me feel 10 out of 10 excitement, except knock it down to a 0.5 because that one or two lines that Mario has, it's really just like, uh, it's just Chris Pratt. Yes. <laughs> it's... It, it's like it, it it's it almost like it broke my immersion he didn't become it, the it, character it's just mario became chris pratt yeah um and yeah i've seen people trying to defend it with like uh it would be exhausting for someone to be like yahoo let's go to the mushroom kingdom Yahoo! It, it'd be exhausting <laughs> for that to be in the whole movie and i get that i think that you're right and that something should be done to tone it down I don't think that this is the right way to do that, though. Um, but we'll see when the movie comes out how it actually pans out in the full film. But we'll see. But yeah, it sounds like we're both looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you had any other thoughts about it, but I just had a, I had a lot of thoughts about it. So, no, I like I like I said, I don't have that much nostalgia for Mario. But when I when I did play my Game Boy, which I should try to find someday mm-hmm. somewhere, but. Um, the one I would play the most was the Mario one I had. Yeah, I wonder what that... It could have been Mario World 3 or something. I think um, it was one that combined two into one, and you could oh. choose one or two. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I think it looks great. Oh, yes. So I guess we'll move on to the next movie coming up uh, on my list. Right. So... The next one is, you know, people talk about how there's so many remakes of Disney live action, of Disney animated films into live action. And we're getting another one. And that one is The Little Mermaid. That's right. So, um, 
This Little Mermaid, obviously one of Disney's best animated films, also one of the most important movies, because you have to remember the context of when it came out. When it came out, animation was pretty much dead. Like, um, a lot of the Disney movies, like Great Mouse Detective, like The Black Cauldron, had flopped. There was talks about um, Disney maybe, I think it was that Disney was considering being sold to another company. And there's actually a great documentary on Disney Plus called Waking Sleeping Beauty. But then there was like this perfect group of like circumstances where Who Friend Roger Rabbit was really like the spark that brought so much so much of it back. And what followed it up was Disney going back to what worked before instead of another, hey, we're going to do Sherlock Holmes, but like a mouse version where it's really funny and comedic. They went back to the fairy tale musical with the Little Mermaid, which kicked off the Disney Renaissance. And also, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit plus the Disney Renaissance. We got to have, you know, the golden era of Warner Brothers TV under Gene McCurdy, Nickelodeon started. All this stuff kind of came out during that time. We also had The Simpsons come out in 1989. I don't want to describe it. It almost feels like it was the beginning of, like, our childhood era. It's a Little Mermaid's a very important movie for Disney's history. And I think it's one that could work in live action. I'm a little curious about, are they going to try? You know, maybe I should look it up. I don't know if they're going to try and have, like, the fish or the crab talk. Because that might look a little weird in live action, but... Right. Uh, I don't know. A lot of these live action ones have seemed to be, like, pretty accurate to, like, that they usually do that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think the one that took the most... Change that made the most changes. Oh yeah, so there is a someone voicing Sebastian and Flounder. Okay. The one that made the most changes was Mulan. Yeah. So um, we have the so there is also a teaser that came out for it, and it, it's very much it lives up to its name of teaser, not trailer. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it shows very little and. Yeah, so you've seen it then. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard to get yeah, it. So much of it is just, it's literally like, I think it's like a minute mm-hmm. and 10 seconds, and like 50 seconds of it is just panning around the water, and you see maybe a little fishtail or something. Yeah. And at first you're like, really? Are you going to show us anything? And then at the end, you see, is her name Haley Bailey? Uh, is that the actress? I think that's. Yeah, the actress who plays Ariel. Um, I don't know. Uh, truly, I, I think that's what it sounds like. Halle Berry, but it's it's something a little different. I think it's Haley Bailey. It's a pretty but, cool name. <laughs> yes, if that is it. It's yeah. Um, starring Hale Bailey. Hale, I think it's Haley. Or Bailey. maybe it's Halle Bailey. Halle Bailey. You know that sounds more right. That's yeah. Halle Bailey. It's a very rhyming kind of name. Yeah. And then at the end, she does a little bit of Part of Your World, and you're like, holy crap, that's Ariel right mm-hmm. there. Just like, for like, almost like, we see nothing. And then at the end, you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> they, they really nailed that casting. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, let's just be honest. It's a Disney live-action remake. We'll watch it one year, and it will disappear. Yeah. I think the one that maybe had, like, the most impact was the Aladdin live-action one. Mm-hmm. 
but even then it's 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 kind of gone yeah. like beauty and the beast is gone everyone kind of want, wants to forget the tim burton alice in wonderland movie but you know if it's good we got something we can enjoy for a year before we forget about it so no i think that's pretty much it for the little mermaid i, I will say it's it's kind of like um when you go to disney world and they have like the mascots perform beauty and the beast it's like it's just something to see just something <laughs> yeah, to do that's actually a good yeah <laughs> It's a show that it's a performance you saw while you're at Disney World and it exists at that moment and then never again. Yes. My next one might be stealing your thunder a little. Um, oh, boy. I don't know. Is the next one on your list a big one? Oh, it is. Okay. So I, I yeah. think I know what you're going to bring the up. Same, so go ahead. We're at the same point then. This is a shared one. I won't steal your thunder. This is this one is of shared. the big ones we've been wanting to get to. <laughs> this is Across the Spider-Verse. Yes. Uh, or is it Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? Spider-Man Across okay. the Spider-Verse. Uh, and 2024 will be Beyond the Spider-Verse. Awesome. And uh, So this is coming out, fingers crossed, June 2nd. And It was supposed to come out in October. Yeah, so... I remember going to Spider-Man No Way Home and being like, all right, in 10 months from now, we'll be doing this again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, instead it was about like uh, 16 months from now or something. Um yeah. So this is the sequel to uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which both of us were absolutely in love with. I, it was my number oh, two yes. favorite movie of the year, um, of that year. Was it your number one? I can't remember. It was my number mm-hmm. one, yeah. Yeah. Um, I still, like, this movie has stuck with me, and I've only liked it more ever since. It's I, It really is one of the best anim- animated movies in a large group this is a ge- large generous group but it's one of the best yeah. animated movies i've ever seen uh in many ways and especially when you consider like i don't know if people know this like how many comics they crammed into that movie and made it work yeah. like you had the origin of miles the prowler storyline spider-man by bendis the spider-verse storyline plus peter breaking up with mj storyline yeah. that j michael staczynski did while also introducing Kingpin. Mm-hmm. And like it also, like we mentioned in a previous episode, it like inspired at least two animation studios to do something yes. similar. Like it had like genuinely innovative new animation style, um, which is amazing. Spider-Man. And um, oh, exactly. So, yeah, this is couldn't say incredible unless we were talking about Hulk. Nah, yeah, this is amazing. Um, uh, Maurice um no but this is that's why this is definitely one of my most anticipated uh movies of the years uh um and uh we got a trailer fairly recently and that's right and we also yesterday i'll bring it up late when i talk about it in a second but we did have a bit of breaking news not important it's not going to be like oh my god this affects the movie it's gonna be even better (laughs) but it's a Fun little tease of cool. something. A fun little quick thing. Yeah. I've already seen some people are creating way too high expectations for this one little thing, but okay. we'll get to it okay. in a second. Uh yeah, I guess what are what are, what are your thoughts so far in this movie? I feel like um I at the very least feel like this trailer has increased the hype, I think, for both of us, it sounds like. Oh yes. So like I said, I love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I've 
brought up before that Peter B. Parker, Jake Johnson's Peter B. Parker, is my favorite movie version of Spider-Man. As much as I love Toby's, <sighs> even though he kind of is kind of the Toby version years later, but mm-hmm. I love Toby's, love Andrew's, but my favorite one is uh, Jake Johnson's Peter B. Parker. And I guess we'll talk about the trailer for a little bit, but one, I, I will be honest about something. I will be honest. There are two things that make me a little concerned about the movie, and then we'll get into some of the fun stuff. Okay. One thing I'm a little concerned about is how they're going. They're going to do a a spinoff movie about Gwen with another group of Spider people. I think it's a female spinoff, so you'll probably see Jessica Drew. Stuff like that. And they said, you know, this movie sets it up. Mm-hmm. And I, it's like, okay. It, first, if you want to do that movie, that's great. But last time you used a movie to set up a universe, you killed the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. So I really... And that's kind of what that movie was. It was kind of a... It was kind of a filler episode that set up some later stuff, even though I still liked Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Sony saying we're going to set it up makes me a little concerned. It's and That's nothing I saw from the trailer or something, but it's it's a little bit of a... Mm-hmm. Remember what happened last time, guys? Yeah. No, I can see if you're focusing too much on like trying to set up other spinoffs, it, it would take away from the the quality of the movie itself um even though i do like i don't have a ton of attachment to the character but i think that spider gwen like seems cool i think i'm just transfixed by how cool is said the the design of the suit is i think that's really it i think it's a great (laughs) art direction but um (laughs) so i'm i'm kind of like convince me that this will be a good um like little spinoff because I'm, I'm willing to, to, for it to be a good spinoff that I can enjoy. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely potential for it to like, you know, it it would mess things up and take away from the plot. If you're spending too much time just trying to set something else up. Yeah. And, um, I like spider Gwen too. Although in general, I kind of think that the, Spider Gwen concept was a bit of a lazy cheat to Gwen to bring Gwen Stacy back from the dead mm. because she kind of transfers over to the main Marvel universe, I think. But it's been a while since I've read some current Marvel stuff. Yeah. I'm behind. I'm like reading stuff from 2004 right now. But <laughs> um, in the movies, I think she's great. The Spider Verse movie. I love Spider Gwen. The other thing is, I. We talked about it on the last episode, which we recorded yesterday. I think Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, as much as we loved Into the Spider-Verse, as much as we loved No Way Home, as much as we're looking forward to Flash and this movie, I think Doctor Strange really burst the bubble on people's excitement for multiverse stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, like... Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse was into the Spider-Verse, but really, how much of it was a multiverse story when you think about it? Like, if there was only... We really... The multiverse stuff was more like Peter going to a world where he died, which was kind of like It's a Wonderful Life. Like, yeah. him seeing this version of, him, of himself. It wasn't like... 
There was one other Peter Parker in Nicolas Cage's Spider-Man Noir, but that's a very different version. It wasn't like it was a bunch of Peter Parkers together and right. stuff like that. One thing that the trailer did concern me about a little bit is it may rely too much on the multiverse gimmick. Mm, yeah. And because what we're seeing in there, we didn't see in the first movie, which was more grounded. Like, it wasn't, besides, the multiverse stuff was more like, this isn't the world that Peter Parker is from. Versus this is like very much lean into it. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of worry they might lean a little too much into that gimmick mm-hmm. that like Doctor Strange <clears throat> did. But one thing that kind of like makes me feel a little better was the opening monologue we see with the trailer with Miles's mom, mm-hmm. which I rewatched the trailer before we recorded this. That whole thing of like she's been watching over this boy her his whole life and I don't remember if it said how long it's been since the first movie. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, but and she talks about like um, try to keep that little boy inside like still the same, so it looks like it's still gonna have that heart that the first movie had. And I think a lot of this movie is gonna be about um, you know parents and their kids because I don't know if you saw this in the trailer, but our buddy Peter B. Parker. Carrying around a little baby with him. <laughs> oh yeah, little little Mayday Parker. Wow, that's Congrats. right. These, that's right. They're doing MC two Spider Man Spider Girl, which is like for me that was like Batman Beyond, like the perfect way to end the Spider Man story. So oh, it's cool. like kind of just like they're doing like exactly what I would want. That's awesome. Like he's and it's it's like combined like he's mentoring Miles and. We also have Spider Girl will eventually, you know, few decades, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's that. And when I look at this trailer, um, one of the things, as much as I loved Into the Spider Verse, there was one thing that felt a little missing. Just one. If you're doing a Spider Verse movie, and that was Miguel O'Hara, Spider Man 2099, mm-hmm. which he does have a appearance in the post credit scene with the original Spider-Man from 1967. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so glad he's such an important character in this uh, movie. Again, we see Miles kind of looking at a screen about Miguel with his daughter, which again seems like being a parent is going to be a big theme in the movie. Yeah. And I, I, I was so glad to see Peter B. Parker back again. I was mm-hmm. so glad. Just him, and he's got a bathrobe and everything. <laughs> it was great to see. Yeah. So, it looks like um, there was one thing that people have been sharing on Twitter that that's, it's made me laugh. Because if you're a Spider-Man comic book fan, you know the frustration about... there. People are saying, you know, Miles is going to be the, is the villain of the movie because... He had Peter and MJ get back together and have a kid, and Marvel doesn't like that. They want Peter Parker single and lonely. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, um, whole one-more-day situation, but stuff with Miles looks great. I I love that opening scene with his mom, Mm -hmm. and we had that scene. I want to bring up two Easter eggs real quick. And look, people online are making a bigger deal of it than they should. It's a fun little visual gag, okay? 
and maybe you saw me post about it on Facebook. I I don't know, but in the trailer, because I didn't know this was the first time. I saw it the second time because I watched it three times in a row. One of the Spider-Men chasing Miles is Spider-Man from Spider-Man Unlimited, the animated series from 1999, which because it's a sequel to the 90s show that starred Christopher Daniel Barnes, that is my, my childhood Spider-Man chasing after Miles. Oh. So that was cool to see. Like, There's a nice little reference. Now, don't expect him to have a role like Toby and Andrew did in No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Because in this movie, Peter Parker is the Jake Johnson version. This was just a fun little visual gag. I I honestly think what we saw in the trailer is all you'll see of him mm, okay. in the movie. Yeah. But you know what they did? They made it so that after 21 years, when you go through the shows and end with Spider-Man Unlimited, it doesn't end on a big cliffhanger. We finally <laughs> don't have that big <laughs> cliffhanger. Guess what? When he's in the building and it starts to cave in, he lived. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice to have a oh, little Oh, yeah, reassurance? that is actually pretty big. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. It got wrapped up, and then he's he got into the Spider Verse, and then he went probably went back home. Yeah, and I think yeah. So and also another thing I think we have to bring up is Christopher Daniel Barnes. He wasn't Spider Man, Spider Man Unlimited, but he was the voice actor from the '90s show. He actually came out and said that he's not in Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Now you could say, well. What about Tom Holland? What about Andrew? He he denied it, but the difference was people interviewed Andrew Garfield on TV shows and he had to lie. Versus a similar situation was in the What If show. People thought Josh Keaton was going to be Spider-Man in the Marvel Zombies show and he couldn't say anything because of his NDAs. Yeah. So the fact that Christopher Daniel Barnes actually said something, that definitively proves that he's not in the movie. Because otherwise, he would have had to be silent about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's just a quick little visual gag. Don't expect it to be much more than that. And there was a piece of breaking news that happened with the movie. Again. I'm curious. So expect a visual gag that lasts for five seconds at max. In the poster, we see Spider-Man from the Spectacular Spider-Man animated series. So, at some point, if you pause the movie, you'll see him in the crowd, <laughs> which is which is going to be very cool to see. See that, all right, in the Spider-Verse, they got my two favorite versions of Spider-Man. Yeah. With my third favorite, Jake Johnson. So, again, it's just going to be a quick visual gag. It's not going to be much... Just go in, get excited for, if you're excited for a version of Peter Parker, be excited for Jake Johnson's version. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I'm looking forward to it. I think that, I, I think moving forward, because I don't know if they're going to keep doing this franchise after the third one. I think you probably can, because it's not like you have to worry about the actors aging. Right. I've always felt like the Trinity would be uh, Peter, Miles, and Gwen. But I think... There will be a fourth member who will be as big continuing on, and that will be Miguel O'Hara. So yeah. hopefully, with all these Spider-Men, we'll see at least a cameo 
of the other three from the first movie, Penny Parker, Spider-Man Noir, and Spider-Ham. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope so. There we go. So that's pretty much what I had to say about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, <laughs> if you had anything else you wanted to say about nope, it. No, nothing more to add. I'm really, yeah, really excited for this one. So, um, Do you want to... Uh, uh, do you want to do your next one? Because sure, kinda, I can do my next one. Kind of mine. But... We're doing the two biggest ones in the ro- in a row. Oh, okay. I think Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse will probably be the best superhero movie of the year. But there's one I'm counting down to more, and one I'm anticipating more, even though I don't think it'll be as good. Mm. And that is the Flash movie that comes out a few weeks later. Now, obviously, we'll bring up something about a certain a-hole, and we won't address this person again. Obviously, Ezra Miller was found out as a horrible human. And, you know, nice job kind of tanking this movie, which, you know, Ben and Michael Keaton came back for, but whatever. And I would just say... I almost think someday we should have a, a segment we actually discuss, can you separate the art from the artist? But I'll, I'll say this, for the whole Ezra Miller situation. This movie is The Flash. It's not Ezra Miller the movie. And I will say, just, just for me, and you know, some people say will say they can't see this because of Ezra. And if you can't, I, I understand. There's... But I will say, I'm going to this movie to see The Flash. And for me, Ezra is just a stand-in for Grant Gustin, John Wesley Shipp, who are much better actors than Ezra, which we saw in Crisis when Grant and Ezra shared a scene together. But for me, even though I do think Ezra is pretty good as The Flash, but for me, it's just like Ezra is a stand-in. I'll be honest, I don't know if I could watch this movie if it wasn't for Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton. Yeah. But, you know, for me, it's just Ezra as a stand-in, and just happens in real life, they're an asshole. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, once this movie's done, good riddance, hopefully they never work in Hollywood again. Yeah. So, now let's talk about this movie. I remember 2015... People gain emotional about Star Wars the The Force Awakens before everyone kind of turned on it. But yeah, yeah. I remember people getting emotional with like Chewie were mm-hmm. home. Yeah, I didn't forget I didn't forget how people reacted to that <laughs> movie at first. Yeah. But I've always felt like looking I remember during that Star Wars Force Awakens time thinking, you know what mine would be? Michael Keaton returning as Batman. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been hoping for it for a while, whether it be Dark Knight Returns or Batman Beyond. And this movie, it's actually happening. And I'm not going to lie, might have to bring some tissues because it might be an emotional moment seeing him on the big screen, yeah. actually in a new movie for the first time in our lives. Because the last one came out a year before either of us were here. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, let's, we'll get this out of the way. So, obviously, Keaton's role in this movie is a bit different than it was when we talked about this movie last year. There's changes at DC. And last year we were talking about how, you know, we also are going to see Keaton and Batgirl. Which Warner Brothers scrapped because 
their CEO, David Zaslav, decided to just do a tax write-off instead. And said, we're not putting any movies that we don't believe in out. Which he also put out Don't Worry Darling and Black Adam, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the dude whose career was milking 90 Day Fiance isn't the best <laughs> at judging what is quality movies. Have I said before how much I don't like the Warner Brothers CEO? I mean, Discovery CEO who's kind of taking over Warner Brothers and is running into the ground? Yeah, I mean, we probably gathered it. Yes. So, obviously, it's a bit different. And we were also going to have a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton, which got scrapped. To which I say, well, if you're going to do a Joker movie outside the DCU, and you're going to still do Robert Pattinson's movie, Batman movies outside the DCEU, you know what? I would rather have than both of those, even though I, I'd go see both those. You can do Michael Keaton's Batman Beyond movie, and... I'll be honest, unless you have Michael Keaton doing it as old Bruce Wayne, I kind of don't know if there's really a point in doing Batman Beyond. Mm -hmm. But if you can do it, it would be so cool. Yeah. But but obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. They're changing this movie as we speak. Mm -hmm. They've been making some changes to the movie. There's actually one change that I think is very odd that I'll mention in a second. So we don't know. Maybe... Because we do know originally it ends where Keaton is the DCEU Bruce Wayne. Now, for all we know, they changed the movie to where he dies at the end, to where he turns evil, to where he gets erased from existence, or where he retires. So, I'm going in knowing that, like, look, Michael Keaton returning as Batman is something I've wanted for so long that I can't possibly live up to expectations. Mm hmm. So I'm going in just being like, this is not the same Batman from the Burton movies. This is a completely separate version, and he's an alternate version of Ben's Batman, mm-hmm. but he is not the same version from the Keaton movies. We just have a few Easter eggs from the Burton movies, including the actor. So that's how I'm going to it, mm-hmm. going into it. So I'm just like, well, at least we got Ben. At least we got Ben in the movie, so there's that. But, you know, if it's good, then I'll consider it a sequel. But <laughs> I'm just considering it like right now, it's it's not. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, for a movie called The Flash, let's be honest, everyone's most excited for Batman. We have Ben Affleck coming back one last time as Batman, which, I mean... This movie has the two actors I'd want to have come back to play Batman the most appearing in it. And I'm looking forward to... For me, he is the best character in the DCEU. And I loved his relationship with Flash and Justice League, both versions. So I'm looking forward to that. And they have all the pieces. And I gotta mention this, too. Because I don't know if I... I think people are really missing something. This Flash movie by Andy Muschietti brought back Keaton and Affleck, both of which are actors who famously walked away from the role. Yeah. In this script, Andy Muschietti's vision brought them back. So I think that really says something. And So this movie has so much going for it. It has all the pieces to be great. It has The Flash, who is my third favorite DC character based on Flashpoint one of the greatest DC storylines ever you have Michael Keaton as Batman you have Ben Affleck as Batman so many great pieces 
and we've all it's it's actually pretty known in Hollywood that the movie's actually great. They've shown it to people and it's it's gained a very, very good reaction. Hmm. Like, um, I remember years ago when before Batman vs. Superman come, came out, someone seeing someone from like a pretty reliable place saying that Warner Brothers was getting scared of the movie. And I was like, yeah, right. And then oh. we saw how that turned yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. But like legit places like Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, Variety, they're saying that people are seeing this movie and that it's great. Wow. So, I mean, I would have loved to see more of Keaton and Affleck, but if this is it, wow, we are going out. It sounds like was something pretty special. So, there we go with The Flash, which should be renamed Justice League Flashpoint, because Batman's who most people are excited for. But I wanted that whole thing about (laughs) The Flash. So, your thoughts on Uh, the upcoming Flash movie? Yeah, no, I don't have a ton of thoughts on on this. It's not something I'm, I'm not... It's not something I'm necessarily looking forward to unless I hear that it's good and that I should see it. But the, the you know, the five years plus of us making the show and learning about the ins and outs of how uh, these um, studio like big studio live action superhero movies get made. You know, they all feel like they are a Frankenstein monster of things that were shot and actors and legal contracts and stuff rather than like a vision that someone had that was like carefully crafted in a particular order that has to have one of the days of burton's batman or Raimi spider-man it's a, a, a seeing the sausage get made kind of thing that uh i'm tumbling towards my second era of being just completely burnt out and over uh I'll say like big studio cinematic universe superhero movies um, because I've since, uh, you know, I've also gained in these few years being able to have certain things like, um, well, um, the end of the Spider-Verse now franchise is different and distinct and feels like a passion. Um like uh shows uh seeing mask of the phantasm for the first time also the harley quinn show and uh (laughs) i have lots of other things to make superheroes something that i still care about and like uh yeah i i'll just be honest i really hope this makes up for the disappointment of the batman because i'm way more excited for this one last ride with affleck and keaton than i am any Hmm future of our patents i mean that could be that could be the discrepancy between our like the fact that i did like the batman might be one reason why i'm just kind of like this completely separate vision that was like very like matt reeves and like you know a very specific take um was like oh yeah give me more of that i'm i realized what i've been missing which was like distinct takes on things um so like Raimi Spider-Man Burton's Batman for sure those are very distinct so so that was mine if we wanted to move on to your next yeah thing. these next three I truly have so little to comment on I it's truly I'm not going to say much at all oh, okay I, I I'm truly not going to say much at all and like 
we have plenty still more to talk about with how long we've been going, so they don't deserve too much time. The The next one no. is I only bring it up because it is a franchise that I rather liked, although I believe the number the fourth movie in this franchise is one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. That was called Insidious The Last Key. This year, oh, Insidious right. <laughs> Fear the Dark is coming out on July 7th. So the fifth in the franchise. Now, this one uh, has like the kid from the first one. He's now literally 10 years older and it takes place 10 years after. So there's a little bit of a different um, things are shaken up a little bit. So it's significant because it's a franchise I like. I'm not sh- totally sure if I'll see it. But uh, yeah, I hope it's better than the fourth one. I'll say that insidious hope springs eternal. Dark. Yes, uh, that's all I'll say about that. Um, One thing we always talk about on here is the next Pixar movie and that is the next one coming up is Elemental and they did do a little teaser for it um I totally forgot to look into this I don't know anything about it well let me try (laughs) to bring up a synopsis real quick it's kind of like a they described it as Pixar's first kind of romance movie this is about all right here's the synopsis In a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together, a fiery young woman and a go-with-the-flow guy are about to discover something elemental, how much they have in common. So, there's that. I'm not going to lie. I kind of... I don't get excited for Pixar stuff anymore. It just feels like their ideas are kind of stuck in that inside-out kind of deal. Like... It does feel like I don't a lot feel of like the... Pixar would ever make Monsters Inc. today. They would never make The Incredibles. They would never make Toy Story. It just kind of feels like they're doing the same shtick yeah. over and over and over. And it's just, I don't know. Like, I miss it. felt like the last kind of like, I don't know, like onward, I liked how different it was. It felt like kind of a return to form, but like, it just kind of feels like with. Inside out, soul turning red. It's just, uh, we're like, what's inside us? What's our emotions? It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of the same shtick over and over again. Yeah, this, I just looked at some of the images. It does feel a little too inside out. And even though I loved it, which feels like a sign we say all the time on here. Yeah. Now. Even though I loved Inside Out, it does kind of feel like it was Pixar, like boiled down to its bare essentials. Like, what else do we anthropomorphize? And like literally doing anthropomorphizing of the emotions, the absolute most visual, literal representation of what Pixar's whole like mission statement is of movies. It was it was boiled down to its purest essence. And um, it's sort of like, well, where else do we go from there? (laughs) Uh, And it turns out a lot of the same. It also doesn't help that Pete doctor who directed inside out is now the chief creative head of Pixar. Right. Um, I will say that um, I don't mind this premise. And I, I, I think that Pixar plots can sometimes get formulaic as well. I would nor I would a few years ago, I would not be saying anything bad about Pixar. So like calling it formulaic is is even a big deal for me because I I do love Pixar. But um, I've always like because I'm a fan of fantasy, like some like 
the elements like Avatar the last it is literally Avatar the last airbender elements um I don't mind that for a moment I was like wait are you about to say something nice about Avatar I would never but no not that Avatar no, part of the reason I am an <laughs> Avatar James Cameron Avatar hater is because people will keep getting it confused Avatar the last airbender is what I'm talking about and <laughs> is what I will be talking about unless I state otherwise um the setting is cool to me, but I recognize that it feels like they arrive to it by going like, gosh, what else do we anthropomorphize? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I I don't know. I'm no longer someone who's just going to see every Pixar movie. I guess I never was because I haven't seen all the Cars movies or Toy Story 4, but uh, that's fine. <laughs> so did you ever see Turning Red? Uh, I didn't end up seeing it. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to it. Maybe one day, but that day is not here yet. I would see that before the other cars, Toy Story 4 and stuff. It looks fine to me. Well, I have no doubt sit through that before the other cars. Yeah. I know it will be better than those. Yeah. So, yeah, not much else to say on that. So, next Pixar. Um, my next... Elemental. My next one is also a Disney property. Uh, way back in the day, I, I mentioned a trip to Florida. This uh, an earlier trip to Florida when I went to uh, Disney World as a kid, uh, very young. I was so scared of the Haunted Mansion ride that I closed my eyes the entire time. <laughs> and then I... F- you were the one who, may, who said, when the ride said, oh, the, the ghosts are out, please stay in your ride. And you're like, mama, get us out of here, they're gonna get us! And honestly, I, I'm, I may be just realizing this now, but I really think just after that is when my... I feel like there's maybe a part of me that was like, what did I miss by being too scared? I was too scared to look. And by not looking, I missed out on something. And I think that that has <laughs> fueled my extreme curiosity in all things horrific ever since. Because I really feel like that I was very young during that, like six or something. And I feel like it was like right after that, it started being Courage the Cowardly Dog, um, uh, other creepy animation stuff. Um uh video games did you ever look stuff. it up on youtube what what you missed out on uh, well a few years later probably the gamecube time i was much older i did go on haunted mansion a couple times that time to florida and i loved it i that's one of their best rides it is, to me it is their best ride although for a long time and i'm i'm really upset hearing this but i loved um the tower of terror um which was a creepy like hotel tower thing that had a really cool line that was part of the fun is it based on twilight zone i don't think so but it it did have a uh, there's like a twilight zone maybe kind of thing inside i don't totally remember but um it was it was for a while the tower of terror and now i hear that it's a guardians of the galaxy ride or something well that's at disneyland because they don't have the rights for Marvel in Florida because, like, um, Spider-Man and all of them are at Universal. Um, I'm wondering what it is now, so then. So, it's gone in California, but I don't think there's any plans for it at Disney World. I guess it is called Florida. the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Maybe it still exists in Florida. Huh. Yeah, it does. I was there, hmm. um... Earlier this year. That's 
cool. That was one of my favorite rides, that and Haunted Mansion. Anyway, obviously what I'm talking about is there is going to be a new Haunted Mansion movie, August 11th. Um, there is. Yeah, Haunted Mansion is such a cool ride. It has a very particular vibe to it. It's just this very specific kind of childlike spooky that's still a little spooky. Still a little legitimately spooky. And um, I'm not necessarily super excited about seeing this movie. I don't necessarily think it's going to be good at all. Uh, but I acknowledge that I liked the ride it's cool that this is getting another try because even though I was a kid and I actually liked the Eddie Murphy movie, but I also had no taste. I was a dumb kid. <laughs> uh, and I also I've seen people say like, oh, this uh, that movie. Um, it, it really didn't even try to like necessarily capture the feeling of the ride. It was just like a haunted house movie with some references and it was just basically a comedy. And I hear that this one, they're trying to maybe capture the feel of the ride a little more, like a little bit teeny bit more serious. It's described as a supernatural horror comedy. Yeah. So Haunted Mansion, I uh, I won't say anything more on it. It's it, it, I'm I've just got a little bit uh, of a history with it. I liked the ride and there's going to be a movie uh, Haunted Mansion, August 11th. I yeah, it's one of my favorite rides at Disney World, Haunted Mansion. Um, I I did like the Eddie Murphy movie. It's been a while since I've seen it, <laughs> but I mean, I it's got to be tough making a movie about that because there's not a beginning, middle, and end with that ride. Yeah, I mean, they did it with the Pirates of the Caribbean. Like they they can they can yeah. they can take the basic idea of the property, capture the kind of feel of it and just go in a completely different direction plot wise um well anyway that's enough on that uh what's your next movie well i'll bring up something real quick and then i'll talk about next movie i'm looking forward to so we're talking about like you know it's kind of the rage now to bring back some actors to roles they played years ago and try to do it again one obviously we had the Star Wars cast come back. Um, both the original trilogy and the, the prequels had Toby and Andrew come back. We're going to have Michael Keaton come back. We're going to have Hugh Jackman come back as Wolverine, which I was sad to say that I forgot was 2024, not next year. Mm. But that was a disappointing thing when I was just like, where's Deadpool 3? Oh, right. It's not this yeah. year. It's not this year it's 2024 but one we have is Harrison Ford coming back in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny now I'll be honest I've not seen any of the original Indiana Jones trilogy I saw the fourth one (laughs) I was like okay I guess that's what it but everywhere I go they're like no 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 that's not proper Indiana Jones yeah I mean yeah that's true and yeah and I know I'm going to probably see it because the first one is my dad's favorite movie of all time. So probably see that. Don't know what to expect, but I'm kind of just like, hey, uh, Pops, you know this is the guy who directed Logan, right? So maybe don't get too attached to Indy in <laughs> yeah, this movie yeah, by the yeah. end. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, they wouldn't do that. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? They k- did kill Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So, 
that's pretty much all I had to say about that. Next up, let's talk about one of DC's next movies, Blue Beetle. That's right, Jamie Ramis himself coming to the big screen originally was going to be an HBO Max movie and got bumped up to theatrical. Nice. Which is what we were hoping for Batgirl, but then we saw how that turned out. So, um, I don't know that much about Blue Beetle, but he did have a really interesting storyline in Young Justice Season 2 where he he has like this alien kind of scarab thing that kind of makes his costume. And in the storyline, it was kind of like the scarab was kind of taking over him, kind of almost like the black suit storyline in Spider-Man. And he kind of had to fight his way out. So I don't know that much about Blue Beetle. He was in an episode of Smallville in the final season, which also had Booster Gold. But there's really not that much I know about him. But you know what? I'll go check it out. You know, it's between Flash and another superhero movie. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you know nothing about Blue Beetle, unless... I don't know if he was in the Injustice 2 game or not, but... You know what? I actually think he might have been. But there are so many... Uh, there, I was loaded with so many characters I'd never heard of in that game that I some of them... Some of them flew away like a beetle. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, that's... That's pretty much all I had to say for Blue Beetle, right. so if we wanted to go to your next well, thing. Well, my next one is the franchise everyone's been waiting for the sequel for. I know I have been, because I loved the first movie so much. No, this is proof that um, that they can that a movie doesn't even need to be good f- to make a second one. Uh yes. I love hearing that. It gives me hope. <laughs> uh, I did not like this movie, but I... Come on, Morbius 2. I remember when this came out, uh, I basically said, like, this... Don't get me wrong, this movie is really, really bad, but I bring it up to say that it's not as bad as Insidious, The Last Key, and that's saying something. So this was The Nun. And this year, oh, on right. September 8th, The Nun 2 is coming out called the nun Two. yes so um perfect title so i didn't like the first one so there's not good uh there's not hope for this one <laughs> or is there because technically this same cinematic universe uh uh i also thought it was stupid and uh, to the conjuring to, universe yeah to, i also thought it was stupid to uh spin off and make an annabelle movie and then i thought that that movie was awful and I thought the second one was surely also <laughs> going to be awful, and it was actually very good. So there's there's hope. Um, yeah, that was Annabelle creation. Pulled a No Way Home. Uh, yeah, uh, The Nun 2. That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so well, I'll bring this up. It's kind of quick. So Sony is building their own Marvel Universe without Spider-Man, which seems like an odd decision, but obviously can't obviously because of their deal with marvel they can't just plop spider-man in even though i wish they would but one of my favorite spider-man villains is craven the hunter and he's gonna get his own movie where he's played by aaron taylor johnson that's right quicksilver himself no not everyone's favorite quicksilver the one from age of ultron you did not see that coming uh yes he's coming back to play quicksilver and you know we, I don't know if you can do a full movie, 
about him, but I'm, of the Marvel, of Sony's spinoff movies, this is one I'm just like, maybe of all of them, this is the one you could spin off the most. Like, I accept that they, like, they've spun off Venom, and yeah. I do like those movies for what they are, but Craven's the one I'm like, huh, yeah, maybe this one. Could be interesting. Yeah, I did always wonder. I I did wonder. um, Honestly, I was very excited seeing this. And it's only the fact that it is in the line of uh, Marvel villain solo movies, which a lot of them I'm not interested in or don't look good to me. Um, That is what was bringing it down to me. Like thinking of it as one in that line. Uh, But like. Uh, not that I know much about the character, but like the Craven's Last Hunt has been on my reading want to read list for a long time. And oh, uh, mine too. I, I know that that like is kind of a solo story of his. Like it's technically Spider-Man Craven's Last Hunt, but it's kind of centered around Craven, I believe. So it, it definitely is something that would totally work as a solo story. Yeah. Now, was Craven? I can ask you because you also have it. Was Craven in the original ten graphic novel we had? Or I don't. No? I really don't think so. Okay, because I know I do have it in one of those, but I didn't know if it was volumes two or three or one. But um, I really liked Craven. He was one of my favorite villains in um, the '90s cartoon and Spectacular Spider-Man. Really liked the ultimate ver- the version they had in the Ultimate Universe, where he was also a reality TV star like the Crocodile Hunter. And as part of his show, he was going to hunt Spider-Man. <laughs> and one thing that even intrigues me even more about this is they're going to have, as the villain in this movie, they're going to have the original Spider-Man villain. It's go- We're going to have um, Fred Heikinger... Sorry, dude. I'm sure you're great. I don't know how to pronounce your name. But the original Spider-Man villain from Amazing Spider-Man issue one, the chameleon, is going to be the villain in this movie. And I don't know if this is the way it is in the comics, but they're making it so that chameleon is Craven's half-brother. Oh, interesting. So I'll be honest. Of all the Sony villain movies, which, again, I'm not a big fan of... um villain solo movies like the Venom movies or even Joker I like but I wasn't in love with the concept of it. Yeah. Although it did have Batman technically in yeah. it but um, this is one I'm, I really am interested in. This is one I might check out in theaters so any thoughts yeah. about Craven the Hunter? Yeah no totally. I think that um, this is definitely the one of these that has the most potential to be um, a really good villain solo movie in a way that makes sense, obviously, besides Morbius. So, <laughs> oh, of course, um, Paul's favorite movie, yeah. our producer Paul's favorite movie. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I, I think I am excited for it. I, I decided to not add, put it on my list um, because I never see these solo. Mo- I did see Joker, I guess, um, but. Yeah, so I don't know if I'll see it, but as far as these these movies go, I'm excited for it in comparison to a lot of the other ones. You know, I will also say this, rightfully or wrongfully, but it does help it. Mm -hmm. 
it does kind of boost my excitement of like, oh, we're seeing a Spider-Man movie without Spider-Man. But we are also getting a Spider-Man movie that year. So it kind of like, mm-hmm. it, it boosts kind of like, well, I'm still getting Spider-Man. I yeah, can get true. this as well too. So Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. That's pretty much all I had for Craven the Hunter. All right. Uh, first of my last two. These I don't have. Uh, there is not a, as of yet a date. But uh, I don't necessarily think there's a reason why I wouldn't expect them to come out this year, but just late this year. We'll see. The first one I am very excited for because, um, you know, Stephen King adaptations can be obviously very hit or miss. And like, you know, I worry because like this year I was very excited for Firestarter and I didn't see it, but I've it is bad. It has not been well received. Um, it, so this is Salem's Lot. One of the coolest like concepts of uh, a Stephen King novel, one of his most well liked novels, uh, one of his earlier ones. And um so there's a really good story to tell here. Um, it's also not the first time this has been adapted. And, but like Stephen King movies are adapted all the time. So why get excited about this one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I, I say um, part of the reason why I am extra excited about this one is because it does have some returning uh people working on it who worked on it 2017 um i believe oh, the yes. person directing it was a writer for it 2017 so got a little bit of uh people who've worked on stephen king very successfully before so has the director directed anything before i looked at it recently and i already can't remember um <laughs> oh okay oh he directed annabelle comes home yeah and he wrote what I mentioned a little earlier, Annabelle create. Unfortunately, he did write Annabelle and Annabelle Creation, so that kind of evens out. <laughs> um, <laughs> it he was a writer on, which of course is one of my favorite horror movies. Oh, The Nun. I didn't see that earlier. This is super <laughs> back and forth. It's a, <laughs> you're just like, oh boy, abs- <laughs> maybe this is what was anticipated. Time to lower those expectations Super, yeah um th- honestly this <laughs> evens out this fully evens out because like um uh annabelle bad annabelle creation good it great the nun bad annabelle comes home good <laughs> it chapter two good I, I guess that's a little more good but at least you can <laughs> say the one he directed previously is a good one yes yeah um anyway that's all i have to say about salem's lot so I guess on to my last movie then. And there's a reason, even though we really know next to kind of next to nothing about this, there's a reason, still a reason why this is maybe my most anticipated movie of the year next to, I'd say the other ones are across the Spider-Verse and maybe the Dungeons and Dragon ones, even though I don't necessarily think that one's going to be good. Um, this is a movie called Bo is Afraid. Uh, it's coming out okay. in 2023, no date, but it's been talked about uh, for a while under the um, working title Disappointment Boulevard, which a lot of people say was cooler and they should have kept it. But it's called Bo is Afraid. <laughs> uh, that title was uh, revealed recently. 
What this is, is the third movie from the director, Ari Aster, who has directed two, in my opinion, of the best horror movies of the last 10 years, maybe ever. Hereditary, followed by Midsummer. Midsummer in recent years, uh, has grown on me to the point where I consider it potentially my favorite movie of all time for the time being. <laughs> uh, I adore that movie. And Hereditary is also an absolute, like, game-changing horror movie. It's just incredible. So, Bo is Afraid is a little a little bit of a different uh, kind of direction, though. Um, it's not explicitly a horror movie, although I think I've heard that it maybe has some darker themes and some horror elements, but it stars uh, Joaquin Phoenix, and uh, he... It's also kind of like a like a um, like a a movie that shows someone's life. In this case, it's someone named Bo, mainly played by Joaquin Phoenix, from like being a kid into being an adult, like growing older and like following his life. Um, and uh, that's kind of all we know is that there's like following his life, and that there's maybe some darker secrets in this movie that we don't quite know yet but thinking it's going to be one of those movies that i'm going to want to know as little as possible going into it and so i'm very excited and hoping that it actually comes out this year i hope like around october or november or something hopefully there'll be an actual release date soon yeah um yeah if not soon then i there's little hope Uh, so i hope that release date is revealed soon so, that is Bo is Afraid. Oh, yes. So, I guess we'll go with my last movie. That is a movie that was supposed to come out last weekend, but then, you know, delays, delays, delays. Of course. And that is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. So, obviously, I like the Aquaman character. I wasn't that big on the movie. Like, I think it's all right. It's kind of lower down there with like um uh it's it's not one of my favorite DC movies. Yeah. It sometimes it really depends on my mood cuz sometimes I think it's all right, sometimes I think it's total crap. Yeah. But it's one of those like all right, but hopefully it'll, the they'll do better this time. I think Black Manta, I actually don't know that much about the movie, but I hopefully Black Manta is kind of Aquaman's Joker. Mhm will have a bigger role in the film as the main villain. Yeah, he's in the movie. So, this movie is kind of important for DC. Because it's the last movie from, you know, the old AT&T ownership. It's basically the last DC movie before kind of James Gunn and Peter Safran took over. So, it's the finale, I guess. Even though it should switch places with Flash and have that be the finale. But, it's the end of what the previous era was. You know, we don't know if they're going to reboot. We don't know if they're going to retcon a bunch of stuff. But, it's the end. It's the finale to this current era that began 
you know, some people would say with Man of Steel, some people would say with Batman Begins, because obviously it was very heavily inspired by Nolan stuff, but it's the end of that era, and, you know, as someone who's not excited for the future, because, again, I'm not a big James Gunn fan, kind of like, well, let's hopefully go on a high note, Mm -hmm. and I'll be honest, I think I will prefer the DCEU over this new DCU that they're playing, but I'm just like, you know what? Okay, let's let's hopefully go out on a high note. Yeah. And I, I do have something I think is going to happen, unfortunately. One of the most exciting pieces of news that we had was that Ben Affleck was coming back as Batman, or at least Bruce Wayne in Aquaman 2 for post-credit scene which they did to replace Michael Keaton, who had done a post-credit scene, because originally Aquaman 2 came out before Flash, and then once we had more delays, now it comes out after Flash. But after hearing about how Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, had been taken out of the Flash movie, which is such a weird decision, I don't think we're going to see either Batman in this movie. I don't think that post-credit scene will be there. Hmm. As much as I was just like, all right, if you're going to go out, you might as well have a Batman in there to end this whole thing. But I don't think they'll, I don't think either of them will be in there. I would love, you know, I would love for the Blu ray, I would love to have in the deleted section both versions. I would love to see Keaton's and Affleck's, or maybe even like an option to play it. And there you have the Keaton cut or the Affleck cut. But obviously I don't think they're going to because um, then they would have to pay residuals to Affleck and Keaton. And, you know, for some reason, Discovery has decided to take a bunch of stuff off HBO Max because cheap bastards don't want to pay the actors <laughs> their residuals. Yeah. Which is why, you know, Warner Brothers is quickly being run into the ground by Discovery. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll never watch their crappy documentaries again. So, there's that. Hopefully, we can go out on a high note. So, I guess your thoughts on Aquaman. Do you think we will see a Dark Knight in the movie? Or what were your thoughts about Aquaman? Um, Yeah, I mean, I was personally pleasantly surprised by the first Aquaman because I didn't have high expectations. And I thought it ended up being one of the better dc eu movies for me so that certainly raises my interest um but same things i said about flashpoint my interest is also lowered by a lot of other things so um i'm kind of at a a neutral place with it i guess um uh i'm excited in that it's an aquaman movie and and i'm this version of the character is pretty cool. So it has that going for it. So yeah, we'll see. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah. Now before we wrap up, do you think, I guess I had two questions cause I've never really asked this one. We'll get into, do you think that a Batman will appear in the movie or at least a Bruce Wayne? And we haven't really asked, what are your thoughts about James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over with the DCU? Um, whatever their plans are. I mean, we don't know what their plans are, but what do you think about James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over? I mean, first of the 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 Batman thing, like 
if it's just a post credit scene, it's like kind of nothing anyway. It's like, yeah, I guess I think if there's ever plans for that, yeah, it'll be in there. But um, yeah, I guess I, yeah, I, I did talk about it a little in a, a, one of the previous episodes that I think it seems like they're a little misguided and a little too late to the game on what it seems like some of their plans are for this. I don't feel good about the direction of it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't. I mean, I think one of the biggest things, I don't know, like recently I, I know like The Rock on Twitter was just like, you do not get rid of Henry Cavill, basically. And I was just like, <laughs> I think this is a weird fight, man. Henry Cavill yeah. is not the hill to die to on. Fair, I love I'm, Henry I'll Cavill, but this is not do you not a Superman. I love him as an oh, okay. actor in general. He, again, he, Henry Cavill seems like a good he's, dude. He's, he's, he's like awesome. A, he, I love he's his He's a nerd. He builds PCs. The, he loves Warhammer. The thing he posted about saying goodbye to Superman, mm. I was like, my God, that was classy. I didn't like you in the role, but that was classy. Yeah. What you wrote about hanging up the cape and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, no, he, I think he's great. And it may, um, in general, as a guy, and he's a, a fantastic actor in other roles. Um, but it doesn't seem like the hill to die on to be like, this Superman is worth, like, you can't just start a petition over everything. You can't, like, yeah. not every recast is the end of the world. And this is not the one to and die on. And, you know, it does seem like, in real life, Cavill and The Rock are friends. Because I think they both have the same manager or something. But when he said that Henry Cavill is the Superman of this generation, I'm just like, mm, yeah, I don't know if people feel know. that way. There's Tom Welling. There's mm. uh, Tyler Hecklin. Yeah. And again, I, some people might say Brandon Routh, yeah. but... You got in a world where there's Tom Welling and Tyler Hecklin. Yeah, you really, I don't think Cavill is this yeah, generation. Really um, and I only say that to say, like, it's not that I think recasting decisions are the problem or anything. I don't have like a problem with anything they've done so far. Like the choice to start changing plans and rebooting everything in theory is a really good idea because I don't think the DCU totally had everything figured out. Uh, they needed a, a change. So, like, that's good in theory, but I don't trust that they're going to make the right decisions with this change. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're not going to. So that, yeah, that's kind of my feeling on it. Yes. So there we go with movies, our 2023 movies. Before we got into, t we got into TV, did maybe I'll bring up a comic real quick. Okay comic i'm looking forward to so who what is the greatest version of batman of all time most people 99 percent of people would say batman the animated series and luckily the past few years we've had batman the adventures continue a comic book continuation of batman the animated series written by alan burnett and paul dini who were two of the best writers of the animated series. And they've done some stuff that they didn't get to do in the animated show, like Jason Todd, which they really couldn't do in a cartoon, and I think Court of Owls, which was after the animated show ended. Mm -hmm. And so they're coming back one last time with Batman The Avengers Continue Season 3, which is what they're calling it. 
And I'm looking... I'll be honest, I haven't been able to read the first two graphic novels just because I am so behind in comics. Like, I'm reading, like... Batman the animated series comics from like ninety five. Yeah. Like I'll I'm get, I'm working through my way towards it. Yeah, it takes some time. So there's that, and obviously, whenever we talk about Batman the animated series, we have to bring up the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Conroy. So, um, obviously, um, we lost Kevin Conroy a month ago. And my kind of feeling is, like, look, we, Batman is a character who can be played by multiple people. And you know who also agreed with that? Was Kevin Conroy. There's, like, these great interviews where he talked about how that's one of the great things is because every actor brings something new. But I will say this. When we have so many versions of Batman... You know, we have the one Harley Quinn. We have Robert Pattinson. My personal choice is that we kind of leave this Batman be. We don't recast the animated series Batman. Um, Unless you're going to do a Justice League Unlimited thing, then obviously you should. And if you're going to do it, Bruce Green would be a nice choice. I think that's the one that fans would get on board with, but... My personal choice is like, you know, it had a great run, but maybe it's it's think it's time now that Kevin's gone, we put it to the side and let other versions be influenced by what he did. Mm-hmm. And I but the way that this version can continue, because I don't think this will be the last comic version of Batman the Animated Series, is in comic books. Kind of like how I think it was last year we had the Christopher Reeve comic books yeah, of Superman continuation. So comic books are a great way to continue that version. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, after we did our special, there was this great thing I saw on Twitter. I retweeted it because it really hits hard, especially if you like um, if, you, if you're a comic book reader. Mm-hmm. There was someone who posts on Twitter no more of this will never hear Kevin Conroy as Batman again. Because every time you read a comic book, you hear his voice. And I just remember the first time I read a Batman comic after he died. It was called Batman, I think it's Streets of Gotham number four. It's a weird comic because he doesn't pop up until like the last page. So at first I'm like, why did I spend my money on this? But it was from 92 and it was cool, but... You know, I was just reading it, and then when he appeared, it was just like always. I heard it in my head, Kevin Conroy's voice. So, comic books are a great way for the animated Batman to continue on. So, there we go with that. I'm I'm sure you haven't read any of them, but if you ever want to, if you ever want to, I think there was, back when on Comixology, they had the first issue for free. You can do a read-along. Because it should be on YouTube of Kevin Conroy reading along with the first issue. And you hear him do Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> you hear him do a reporter and all That's that so stuff. Awesome. Yes. So that that to me is easily the most anticipated comic book of the year. So awesome. looking forward to that. Awesome. Um Yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. Uh, and that is a really cool thing about comic books. Um 
and the yes. ability that they have to continue a story like that. Uh, let's say we get to TV. Um, I might have to. Oh yes. I might have to cut to just the ones I care about because I feel like this probably only got about 30, 40 this minutes. This thing went longer than we expected. That's every episode. So, um, yes. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> I'll whittle it down. I always find a way. Yes, I'll lump mine together. All right. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, TV. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start with my first TV one. Um, so uh, my first thing coming out in 2023 that I'm looking forward to immensely uh, TV wise is a, a streaming show um on amazon prime one of the only things i really care about on amazon prime but that's good omens the adaptation of um neil uh, of the 1990 book by neil gaiman and terry pratchett good omens season one it's hard to believe but it came out in 2019 i when i looked recently uh, um i think i've been talking about season two for a couple years now but it, it is this summer officially coming out four years after uh it's (laughs) the first season covered the whole book so this is actually moving beyond the book into something new luckily neil gaiman is still around and heavily involved in this show so i think that there's i mean they really got a great chemistry in this season one and fans really loved it. And it just felt like this really needed to be more than six episodes because <laughs> that's all it was. <laughs> and it captured a really strong fan base and did a lot special with just six episodes. So um, I think even though we're moving beyond the original source material, it's well deserved for a show this good. So that's season two of Good Omens. Oh, yes. So I guess I'll um, lump these three together. So this year we have um, two shows returning and one show returning for the final time. So um, I think it's in February. We have The Flash Season 9. That's right. The second longest running DC show behind Smallville. We have The Flash coming back for ninth and final season. That's right. I'm not going to lie. It's one of those situations where you're like, you know it's time for it to end, but you don't know if you're ready to let go of it. So, it's also going to be, since Superman and Lois is separate, um, it is also the end of the Arrowverse. So, look, the you know, I talked about how in when we did our special for The Batman, not to walk in with checklists of like, I hope we get everything from this version. Yeah. But yeah, you can't help but do that as a fan. Mm-hmm. Inside, you say you you shouldn't, but yet you do. And you know what? As I look at the Flash show, every check, every box I ever wanted has been checked. Everything I ever want from this show has been done. So kind of like with Arrow, which is the great thing about TV and why I hope that, you know... Maybe we can get some separate versions of like Batman on TV and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But every box has been checked. Everything I ever want from this show has been done. So now I I just sit back and I'm like, all right, thirteen episodes. I hope we have seven that are good. <laughs> that's that's all I that want. Shouldn't be too much to ask. So the Arrowverse. You have to remember when the Arrowverse started. It came out. 
like right after Dark Knight Rises, when I lost faith in the superhero genre, and right before Man of Steel, where I was just like, oh, that thing that didn't work, you're going to do it again. But Arrow came, it got me back into the superhero genre, and I think I can safely say, like, look, we had the DCEU. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to have the DCU by James Gunn and Peter Safran. But I think for me, when I look back at what was my DC live-action connected universe, so not counting like Smallville or Gotham or, you know, Burton's Batman, Donner Superman, stuff like that, but my connected DC universe, it will be the Arrowverse. And I don't know if there ever will be another DC universe like live-action that I connect to like I did with that. So it was a great run, and I'm going to say this prediction... I'm fairly certain about this, you know, because it's also the end of the Arrowverse, Size of the Flash. I think we're going to see Stephen Amell return as Green Arrow to help bring this thing to a close. My hope is that we also have, like, Melissa Benoist come back as Supergirl, and also um, Cress Williams as Black Lightning, and Tyler Hecklin, maybe for a day, go over to the Flash set and be Superman, but... My one thing I'm betting on, I'm so certain, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter, we've had it a bunch of times before, Is but that Green Arrow will pop up in the final season. And just quickly, I'll mention two other things. Titan Season 4. So, I'm a fan of the Titan show. Um, I'll always be grateful for this show, because for the first time in over two decades, in live action, we actually had Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson together again, which was great to see, especially after being like, "Where? when are we finally going to get to Robin? Maybe if we didn't restart every few years, we could actually get to Robin. So, But overall, I've been a fan of this show. I hope... I really hope Ian Glenn's Bruce Wayne pops up again, but who knows. But I've been a fan of the show. I'll be honest, because of all the stuff going on with DC, I think we'll find out this will be the final season. But whatever happens, it was a great run. Now let's get into my favorite show of the year. Alrighty. My favorite show currently on TV. That is Superman Lois. And starring Tyler Hecklin and Elizabeth Tulock. And what journey it's been with this Superman. Because you have to remember, when Tyler took over the role, the Superman franchise was dead. It was dead after Man of Steel and BVS. And it also had to follow in the footsteps of Smallville, which are big, big, big shoes to fill. And it was great. And we had a spinoff, and it's been great. It is, I think... If it continues to be as good as it is now, it is tied with Smallville as the greatest superhero live-action show of all time. So, also, we know a little bit about Season 3. They're going to lean into Clark being a journalist more. And they're going to have Bruno Mannheim, who... Lex Luthor is a white-collar criminal, but Bruno Mannheim in Metropolis is the gangster. He is the Carmine Falcone. He is the... Um, Vito Corleone, if we want to reference The Godfather. He is the gangster. So, everything we're hearing about that sounds great. So, I, I hate to have to say this. There's obviously a lot of stuff going on with DC. I think it's best to prepare that this is probably going to be the final season 
I'm going into this viewing that this is the final season, which I think is a mistake. I think that they really need to keep stuff, some stuff not connected to the DCU. Especially if they're doing Robert Pattinson's Batman, keep Superman Lois separate. Especially because after Superman Returns flopped, uh, Smallville kept the franchise alive. After the Cavill movies flopped, Tyler Hecklin saved the franchise and got people back on board. So, Mm -hmm. James, you'll never hear this, but I beg of thee, on my knees, but then I'd be out of camera. (laughs) Please, keep it going. Please, keep some stuff separate from the DCU. So, I'm... I cross my fingers every day that that we get season four, but I'm going in expecting it to be the final season, and I hope that if it is, they handle it the way that the CW handled Stargirl. They did give us a bit of a heads up, so it wasn't like we found out afterwards. Like We knew these are going to be the last episodes. And they did tell them it was on the bubble, so they were able to make a finale that wrapped everything up. So, if it is the end, I hope that they gave them head notice so that they don't end on a big cliffhanger. And that they do tell fans, like, at minimum, like, five episodes ahead, like, we're ending. These five are the end, so... Gotcha. That's what I hope. Yeah, I mean, that's a bummer if it ends. It it, it feels like it only started, um, because it kind of did, but, um... All right. My next thing. And I'll say I don't know that this is coming out this year, but I'm crossing my fingers that it is. And if it doesn't, I'll talk about it next year and be just as excited. Um, uh, Mike Flanagan is continuing to get work from Netflix because um, (laughs) there's already lots of like (laughs) photos and uh, a lot of uh, the cast is out for. The next Mike Flanagan joint uh, with returning cast from the Haunting series. This time it is The Fall of the House of Usher, which, of course, is an Edgar Allan Poe story. Um, So and, I, you know, I like this time, uh, not since The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor has it been an adaptation of a story, which Mike Flanagan always does a really like it's usually a completely different take like then. The original story it's usually still distinct from the story like it's not they're never a direct adaptation but that's because it's always taken into a much more like character driven emotions driven place that is so so impressive and well done so i don't even care what the source material is i (laughs) i care that like this group of people is continuing to do good horror stories so, yeah, I really hope this comes out this year because then it would be my, one of my most anticipated things this year. Uh, the Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, oh, yes. So, yeah, there you go. There we oh, go. Oh, and apparently Mark Hamill is going to be in it. Which <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, usually the <laughs> casts of these are like um, not huge names or anything. Like, I mean, they're becoming huger and huger names by... By the day, but this one I saw Mark Hamill was in the cast. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, so I guess I'll go on to my uh, next thing. I'll lump two together. So, 
how would we like to have some exciting, good Marvel news for once? Wouldn't that be That'd fun? Because it's happening now. Actually, MCU news. Okay. Because they may not be doing much on you know the movies with Ant-Man, but they do have two things to look forward to. So one of them is Secret Invasion. So one of um you know one of the problems i've had kind of with the marvel tv shows is that they kind of feel like just spin-offs of characters i'm not interested in like loki or like you know going back like agents of shield like did we really need a show about phil colson i don't know mm-hmm. or stuff like that it feels like daredevil is kind of isolated where it was kind of one of the few like yes this is a marvel Show an adaption of a Marvel character like how we have Superman, Lois, or the Flash. And finally, and you know, they've gotten more bigger characters like She Hulk, like Falcon and Winter Soldier. But finally, we're getting a show that doesn't feel like a spin off, it feels like it has an A lister, and that is Nicholas Fury himself, played by Samuel L. Jackson who will be the lead of this show. So the comic book Secret Invasion is about the Skrulls who were introduced in the MCU and Captain Marvel is that the Skrulls have infiltrated Earth like years ago and some of the people that we've known for years have been imposters. They've actually been the Skrulls in disguise. So they actually did a really good job adapting it in the animated series Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So it's a great storyline. You probably forgot, but that was what Captain Marvel was. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's what it was. But I was kind of bored the whole time. That was like the main idea um, of it. It was basically like that story kind of. So, yeah. So it's been shown that they've, they've done it before. So I guess they can do it again. So... We have that. They did a great job of adapting it in Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, that animated show. And it's like the perfect combination of it's an interesting storyline. It ha- It's focused on an interesting character like Nick Fury. And, oh, Rhodey will also have an appearance in it. So that's cool to see. So we have that. And from the trailer's it's a more serious Marvel thing where I'm like, finally, thank you, God. Finally, thank you. It's not the joke, joke, dumb sitcom mm-hmm. like we had with She-Hulk or Thor Love and Thunder, which I haven't seen, but it's like proper, it's like real Marvel. It's like the first Iron Man, like the Cap trilogy, like uh, Black Panther. It's just finally, just serious. That's what I want. And the trailer really raised my hype for it, so I'm looking forward to Secret Invasion. Cool. This will be the first, well, actually after She-Hulk. It will be a, like the Marvel show I tune in like every week, being like, all right, cool. what's next? All right, that sounds cool. Yes. All right. So also, lump together another piece of Marvel news real quick. Oh, yeah, sure. Before I guess we turn over to your thoughts about it. So we have the show Echo coming out. Which is a spinoff of Hawkeye, which I saw three episodes of Hawkeye. I'm going to be honest, I don't like it. But, you know, I don't really care about Echo. But there's one thing we know about Echo. There's one thing. In Hawkeye, 
they had an appearance by Wilson Fisk. And in Echo, we're going to get Daredevil played by Charlie Cox. That's right. You know, whenever I watched like um, a double feature of Daredevil and She-Hulk, I don't call it the TV shows, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, DC, they had the Arrowverse. I call the Disney Plus shows the Daredevil verse because that's really what it is. Yeah. So, and Daredevil, even though I don't like the She Hulk show, but the Daredevil episode, the first one, was pretty good. So, I look forward to having Daredevil whenever. So, this year we have Nick Fury and Daredevil, at least in a supporting role. Maybe it's just one episode, but we know we got Daredevil and Nick Fury. So, Got two A-listers, two Marvel A-listers on TV this year. So, so any thoughts about Secret Invasion or um, Echo? Um, yeah, I mean, I have, like, typically next to zero interest in any of these Marvel shows. I don't even know why. Like, I'm less interested than the MCU, typically, um, and I'm kind of losing it on that as well. The Secret Invasion sounds really good, though. I like the sound of that. Can't say I'll necessarily watch it, but... I mean, if you had to watch any version, you should watch the version from the Avengers animated series they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So, not much to say about it. Probably won't watch them, but... Cool. (laughs) Yes. Uh, My next thing is... um, very excited about another season two, uh, a return. And this is something that um, I talked about in my best of list just a couple episodes ago. I said it was my favorite TV thing of 2022. And now in 2023, we're getting season two of Our Flag Means Death, the comedy right. pirate show where they ended on such an enormous cliffhanger. that like they had to do a season two and so i'm really at the edge of my seat waiting to see what happens next uh in our flag means death um which will be a really really different direction i think things got really serious honestly at the end uh, of the season um and i encourage everyone to watch the show if you haven't um uh, our flag means death oh yes that'll be it and after this i only have one more tv series thing and it's something i remembered right before we started so all right this is the last of the tv shows i have kind of lumped together so this year we're getting the third and final season of hulu's revival of animaniacs that's right so you know for years because um animaniacs was a co-production between warner brothers and amblin so one of them couldn't just make Animaniacs without the other, I'd kind of ex- grown to accept that unlike Scooby-Doo or the Looney Tunes or Batman, they get reinvented every few years, that Animaniacs was kind of done. But oh no, it came back. And I really enjoyed this revival. It feels just as good as the original show. I'm very glad they got pinking the brain into it. I'm looking forward to... One last time with the Warner siblings and Pinky in the Brain again. Sweet. We're saying goodbye again. And you know what? After this, I'm just like, you know, we're saying goodbye, but I don't think it's for forever. So maybe it will come back again, but 
it, it's been great to have these characters brought back into the pop culture again, having them front and center. So it's great to have them back. And I'll conclude the, my TV segments with the return of another 90s show. This one, uh, with its first season, which also, just like Animaniacs, aired on Fox Kids. It is X-Men 97. That's right. Oh, we yeah. talked about it earlier. It is by far the Marvel project I am most excited for. Now, again, I got stress. These aren't episodes that they made in the 90s and they left in a vault. It's not going to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But everything we've heard of the show sounds like it's capturing the spirit of it. And I am so looking forward to it. Um, it is a return to my Marvel Universe. Some people will be like, oh, the MCU is my Marvel Universe. And that's nice. But the 90s cartoons, that's my Marvel Universe, and I have to believe in at least one episode, one, I have to believe we'll get an appearance by Christopher Daniel Barnes as Spider-Man. I have to believe it. I I think so. I think by the end of the season, at some point, we'll see an appearance by our 90s Spider-Man. So that's what I'm crossing my fingers for. So any thoughts about Animaniacs or X-Men 97? Um, uh, uh, not a ton. Um, I am really happy to see that, you know, some of these like return series are turning out so well. Uh, and I guess with Animaniacs, uh, oh, you know, what's another good one is Rugrats. There's a return Rugrats. Yeah. There's a new CG CG. Oh, one I did know that. On Paramount Plus. Yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah, I should check that out. Um, but yeah, I get that gives hope that the X-Men 97 would, could be very good. So, so my last TV series, I remembered a little earlier, um, it's, and I remember this cause it's something ongoing year after year is one of the pieces of media that I'm looking forward to the most that has been in development for a very long time. Uh, in fact, at, I think around the end of 2021, I think it was, um, they fully said, uh, and this has been, I think, if not on one, maybe two upcoming year lists, I, I can't remember, but it truly does seem m- more likely um, that I-, I actually think it'll come out at the end of 2023. I, I think it's about there. But we'll see. Um, I think around the end of 2021, they were genuinely like, um, hey, fans, we're going to delay this. We just need to get it right. We know this is important to everyone, so we don't know when it's going to come out. We just need to get it right. It is slated for 2023, um, but I'm the length of development doesn't actually worry me because of the way they've been treating it and they have shown a little bit and it has looked good. This is a, an adapt, uh, an animated adaptation of a horror manga series called Uzumaki, uh, by Junji Ito, who I'm not like a manga fan, but I think that this isn't, this is a kind of thing like this is, I would recommend this not necessarily to manga fans, but more to, horror fans um junji ito is 
an author and comic book artist that I basically get every new work of um, that he creates and is translated into English. The art is impeccably scary and good. And <laughs> Uzumaki is my favorite thing that he has ever done. It is the story of a town that starts noticing things becoming more spiral-like, like um, Uzumaki translates to spiral. And it starts out with, like, the clouds are kind of spirally, and um, there's, like, maybe some lines in the sand and stuff that are spirals. Um, but then it starts being, like, people in the town are getting obsessed over the idea of spirals. And everything starts to, like, f like form and morph, even people into spirals like contorting and it gets more and more extreme and gross and existentially horrifying it's like a cosmic horror type thing uh where it's like the thing that is scary is not a monster but like this existentially terrifying idea that is consuming the town um which is an <laughs> A crazy story and uh, something that could never work live action. In fact, they tried once and it was terrible. Um, uh, so and the thing about Junji Ito is the manga is all in black and white. And I think most people kind of agree that it should be in black and white. This very like dark um, hand drawn feel. There was a, an anime series for a while that adapted some of the shorter stories and it was in color and no one really liked it. So this they're like, <laughs> we want to try and capture the feeling of like reading a Junji Ito book and, and how that feels and how that looks on the page and put that into an animated feature. It's a miniseries. Um, so... I'm really excited for this. They, they and I mentioned when they on the day they said like, "Look, we're gonna have to put this back. We're we're gonna just keep working on this until we get it right." They released a little teaser to show like we really are working on it, and it's making good progress. <laughs> and I thought it looked amazing. It was just like, okay, you can this can actually work. You can actually make this work in animation and not just in a book. Um, it looked the animation looked really, really great. So it was just a teaser, though. We'll see if the whole thing is good. But I am just so excited for Uzumaki. So I, I hope it comes out later this year. Oh, yes. So there we go with TV shows. Now, we do have one last category and I'll let you do your video games and wrap it up with yeah. my video game thing because I'm pretty sure you know what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. so I have some video games I'm looking forward to. Um, there's going to be way more through the year that are going to be good and that I'm going to be excited for, but I don't have a lot of dates or confirmed this year, but I, I have a few that I do know. Um, a game that I've heard is really good, but I never got to play because, as discussed, I didn't get a, a Wii or a Wii U. But one game that came out for, I think, the Wii um, was Kirby's Return to Dreamland, and they are re-releasing that, kind of revamping that for the Nintendo Switch. So I'm excited to be able to play this apparently very good Kirby game that I never got to play. Oh yes, without moving around like you had to on the Wii. 
Uh, oh, there's yeah, there's none of that. It, you you play yeah. just with a controller. Thank God yeah. for that. Um, yep, no, nothing like that. It, it looks very good. Um, coming out very soon, January twentieth. One of my favorite uh, series is Fire Emblem, which is like a tactical uh, RPG series, um, strategy game with heavy story elements and uh, a lot of characters that you manage. And if a character dies in your party, they're dead forever. So you like start to grow attached <laughs> to these characters and you really want to do good so you don't lose important characters in the story. It's very tense, emotional game because of that. I love the Fire Emblem series, which I first played on the Game Boy Advance, which was kind of a like under the radar game. And I think it's become the series is beginning more and more recognition. The most recent game, Fire Emblem Three Houses for the Nintendo Switch was incredible, in my opinion. And the next entry in the series, Fire Emblem Engage, is out January 20th. Also toss this in there. There there is a, a, a like a there is an, like an old, I believe, 90s like um, simulation, like city building game similar to like SimCity or something called Pharaoh, <laughs> which was like an ancient Egypt city builder game, which uh, it, it was really oh, wow. cool. And there's uh, going to be a, a sequel to that uh, called Pharaoh, a new era. And it looks incredible. The The, the graphics are, are so I love the, the the stylized graphics of it, and city building is one of my favorite genres, just managing a city and building things, and it's set in ancient Egypt is so awesome. So that'll be a computer game. But um, lastly, um, by far my most anticipated video game of this year, and it's not even close. And I think it'll be... Oh, boy. That, that'll be the case for a lot of people. Um, because the absolute best game ever released for the Nintendo Switch and genuinely considered by many to be one of the greatest video games of all time. Like, it's genuine. It's one of the highest praised games of all time. And it, the first game, the launch title on the Nintendo Switch was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And um, it was so good that Zelda games almost never get direct sequels usually they completely like do a new style and a new story every single time breath of the wild is so good it's getting a direct sequel continuing the story um for a long time this was the, the working title of this was breath of the wild 2 and late last year we got a title and a trailer um it is the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom or tears of the kingdom i never know with that but it's i think i think it's oh. <laughs> tears of the kingdom Breath of the Wild had like this breathtaking open world and uh, just took the Zelda franchise into completely new territory. Um, It deserves all of the praise that it gets. It's one of my favorite games ever. And so a, a, a sequel continuing that story and bringing more of that style of gameplay it's coming out May 12th, and I am extremely, extremely excited. I think a lot of people are, so hope it... Uh, I have no doubt it'll be good, but yeah. Ho- I hope it doesn't surprise me and that it's bad, but I, I, I think <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. That's, that, that's all for my video games. Uh, that alone makes me excited for this year that um, 
Fire Emblem and Zelda game especially is is a great year um, already, a great slate already. So um, then let's hear your anticipated video game. Yes. Now, it's a little hard for me to be anticipated for a video game because, like I said earlier, I have no idea where to get a PS5, <laughs> yeah. you know? I could, I could, I would happily buy one. I just don't want to go to like the back of someone's van in an alley and get some used one and find out it's not really a PS5. It's a PS1 they spray painted or something. So recently they had the video game awards a few weeks ago. And they were talking about Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. I think that's what it was. No, Suicide Squad versus the Justice League is a comic. So it's Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. And they had a clip, like a clip of the cinematic they had, mm-hmm. featuring Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang. I think, um, what's the giant shark's name? I love him in Harley Quinn. King Shark, King Shark. And, you know, they see a bunch of, like, people taking on the floor. And then we see Batman pop up. And then it cuts to black, and we hear a very iconic voice, very, very iconic line, I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman! His catchphrase, but do you know how many times he actually said that in the animated like series? Zero? <laughs> okay. Once. He said it once, and it was so awesome, it just became his catchphrase yeah. at all these conventions and stuff. Yeah. And then there was a nice thing that said, thank you, Kevin. And I don't know, it might have been the host or some other commentator who talked about how, you know, sadly we lost Kevin Conroy this year. Mm-hmm. But they were, and how he was, for three generations, the definitive Batman from the animated series and video games and direct-to-video animated films. And they announced, because this video game is in set in the Arkham universe, they announced that... For one last time, Kevin Conroy will be returning as the Arkham version of Batman. So, before we get into like some of the fun stuff, I I just want to bring this up real quick. So, I we we don't know how many how much he recorded before he died. Mm-hmm. Um because I think we talked about this video game the first time like it was either 2020 or 2019. It's been a while. Yeah. I do remember we talked about this yeah. game. So, obviously, it's been years they've been working on this mm-hmm. game. And we don't know how many how what other stuff he recorded before he died. I do think there is some other stuff. Like there's a show called Batman Cage Crusader which is kind of in limbo right now. I think because of a recent deal, it's going to go to Amazon Prime. And I'm not saying to like bet on this. I'm not saying to expect this. But I do think that we'll find out then Batman Capes Crusaders. He's voiced by Kevin Conroy. But I'm just saying that like what we get, just be happy with what we have, with what we mm-hmm. get. And it's going to be real exciting. In 2023, the year we also have Michael Keaton as Batman, we have one last gift from Kevin Conroy as Batman. And I'm very excited. So now let's talk about the awesomeness that they got Kevin Conroy as Batman in this game. So 
Obviously, if you're saying it in the Arkham world, of course, that's who we yeah. want. We want Batman. And they haven't announced any casting for the rest of the league, but I'm kind of hoping maybe, even if it wasn't originally, I hope they have the rest of the Justice League cast voicing those characters. Like, I hope Superman is voiced by George Newbern. I hope Wonder Woman is voiced by Susan Eisenberg. I hope Flash, Michael Rosenbaum. Mm-hmm. I think the John Stewart Green Lantern is in there too. So I hope he's voiced by Phil Lamar. It just even if that wasn't the original plan, bring him back. But this um the Arkham universe was already so inspired by the animated series. I, I have to believe that I, I I think at least George and Susan are in there as Superman Wonder Woman. So that's what I'm hoping for. But, you know, it does raise it. Like, this is a... People love the Arkham games. For many people, like, the debate isn't um, who is the best Batman. Everyone says it's Kevin Conroy. People will debate about which is the best version, the animated series or the Arkham games, to which I say... Guys, they're close enough to be in the same yeah, thing. But um, this uh, universe means a lot to people. So to finally be able to see their version of Superman, their version of Wonder Woman, their version of Flash, their version of Green Lantern is very exciting. And uh, I, it's cool that Suicide Squad, I'm not the biggest Suicide Squad fan, but it feels like having it like this, it's a giant... DC crossover yeah, sure. and if this is like like I'll be honest I do think there's more stuff but if this is the last time we have Kevin Conroy voicing Batman what a way to end it with a giant DC universe crossover and you know even if I don't have a PS5 by then which probably <laughs> not considering how tough they are to get I'll spend that day rewatching a bunch of Justice League Unlimited just in celebration of like, all right, we're having one last time returning to the Arkham universe. So your thoughts about Suicide Squad, um, Kill the Justice League, and the return of Kevin Conroy as Batman in there. Um, that Yeah, that's really, really awesome. I'm super glad. The, great to have more that he recorded, no matter what it is. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this as well. I don't know if I'll have a, I I don't know if I'll have any way to play it either, but. (laughs) Yes, one day. Maybe if, um, we can watch one of those videos about how, um, people, you know, they show people building, like, their own computers. Well, that could be episode 100. We'll make our own PS5 and see if we can pull it (laughs) off. That's really, that's that's illegal. We should do it. I mean, that, it would be our last episode. I know, and then we could end it like on Seinfeld. Yeah. Like, I'll go into prison afterwards. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. and I got a little uh, ding that my headphones are dying, so that's a sign that we need to wrap this up. Uh, yes, I believe Paul might be the one to say because he doesn't like that we had to go overtime. Yeah, he never likes with that. this. He's very upset. Now he has to pay residuals to Fido. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Although now in his mind, he's like, "Do we have what we need? Are we one step closer?" 
for the cast of a live action Uncle Al and Aunt yeah. Ash? Have we found our live action Mr. Yeah, so Whiskers? Think about that, Paul, when you're thinking about um, yeah, firing me and hiring Fido as the new host. Think that we need all three of us because we need to be yes. able to. Um, uh, unfortunately, Fido is only three, and we're looking for a cat that's 25. But yeah, I mean, he's a little younger. We can do a prosthetic. You'd have to, boy, put on way too much makeup. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have to, like, <laughs> yeah. Really age it. Do like Chris Evans in Endgame. Yeah. Just really yeah, just age him up. Computer aged. Uh, yeah. A little CG budget, but that's fine. We, uh, you can take it out of our yes. cuts. Um, oh, exactly. But there, guys, there we go. Is the new year. Happy new year indeed. 2023 is here. Um, yeah, 2020 has not been the best decade, but hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can be like, well, it was the least bad yeah. of the 2020s. We can, we, can, we can turn it around. We can look back and say, like, you know, 2023 is is deep enough into the 20s now from where the 20s started that like i feel like we can start crossing our fingers for a truly good year yes maybe we can finally kick off the return of the roaring 20s yeah we get a late start that's right that's what we all wanted yeah. yeah but we'll see Anyway, guys, happy new year. There we go. Hopefully, you're not a little too down after we talked about, you know, the end of the earth and, you know, the sun going out and stuff like that. But there we go. Bunch of, while we wait for the sun to burn out, there's a ton of good stuff coming out before that time. So that is something to look forward to. My God, my voice is going now. We need to end it. So for the rest of this whole year of 2023. I think I encourage you all to continue and never stop falling down that rabbit hole.